The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. I'm not Karen, so get over it and listen up. It's time for another stellar edition of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Rory Blight. This is Jeff Maciolik standing in for Karen Cavallero here to announce show number 65, recorded at Microsoft TechEd in San Diego, California, during the week of May 23, 2004. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VB.net and ASP.net classes remotely. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.net web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, Microsoft Technologies in-depth for IT managers and developers, online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man wearing a t-shirt that says, it's okay, Rory was invited, Carl Franklin! Thank you, thank you very much, and welcome to another stellar edition of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers. I'm your host in tech ed land of san diego california this evening carl franklin and my compadre rory blythe is right here with me how you doing rory doing pretty good you know looking out the window we got we got a pretty decent view up here actually yep we're in the hyatt we're at the uh, hyatt yeah and we're, we're doing a show at tech ed so uh we are we decided sort of we didn't really know what to expect when we came down here and um we just knew we were going to do a show from tech ed so we have we had two .NET Rock sessions scheduled. We did one already, which was a little strange recording wise. But uh, what we also did is we had this Cabana session, which hasn't happened yet as of this recording tomorrow. The Cabana is this area um, where there's a lot of small meetings going on between you know small groups of people, usually with product teams, and there's like couches and sofas and whiteboards. And it's good because if you can get FaceTime one-on-one with with project leaders and groups at Microsoft, but you know it's not good for like one-to-many kind of lecture things. There's there's a lot of noise up there. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of noise, and you can't hear what the presenter is saying if you're too far away. It was a good idea, but the implementation maybe not so hot. Yeah, the implementation for specific things like lecture type things just don't work. Yeah, yeah, but sort of come and hang out. That works really well. So we ended up, you know, sort of wondering what to do. And we decided to just take out the video camera and walk around and talk to people. And, you know, talk to some of the guests that have been on previously, some of the RDs that were at uh, hanging around the booth, some rock stars like Don Box we caught up with. And uh, we decided to make uh, .NET Rocks the movie. (laughs) 
Or at least Donnet Rocks the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. when I think Donnet Rocks the movie, I think about Star Trek, where you have all the episodes. Like fiction. Yeah, you have all the episodes when all the doors open were cardboard, but then you got the movie where everybody has a nicer perm and they have nicer <laughs> uniforms. <laughs> Right? It's still the same stuff, but everything's just really nice. Whereas this was more of an impromptu. Right. Let's just go out and see what we can muster up. We're not looking for V'ger, for example. Okay, I'll let that one slide by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we actually got some great tape, and, and we're going to turn it into a movie. But what we're going to do tonight is sort of play the soundtrack of, of some of those cuts and uh, so you can hear the things that we said. We're going we're gonna to mix it up with some talk from our, uh, from our BOF session, and uh, it should be fun. But anyway, before we do that, we have several, you know, standard bits to to get out of the way. And uh, let me just start by, you know, asking you how how things are going for you lately, Rory. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I kind of started my real conference life with Chris Sell's XML DevCon. Right. And that was a nice way to kind of get my feet wet. And then the PDC. Right? Yeah, because then there was the PDC, and then I had a few dev days, and then we, we went down to Orlando, and dev now I'm down here. Yeah, we had dev connections over there. And uh, there's conferences are just strange. They're really fun. (laughs) But they're so weird because you make these friends that you only see at the conferences and you start to believe that they're part of the conference. You think that (laughs) like when somebody packs up their booth and sticks it back in the bins that they're actually (laughs) sticking your friends in there with them and just moving them to the next location. I mean, on the way home tonight, I saw Benjamin M. He's an RD from, uh, I think he's from Australia, but he's living in London. Right. And I just see him at conferences, and I love seeing him. I love running into him. Then you go back to Portland, and, and he's you know. gone, and yeah. he's back in London, and I'll see him again, you know, in some other city at right. some other point in time. Yeah, Rocky Laka and I were totally having a bizarre. discussion tonight at a party that we were discussing at another party in Orlando, and we just sort of picked up where we left off, you know? It's very strange. You just go from these cities to cities, you meet the same people over and over again. Well, it's surreal, really. It is surreal. You know? Right, because there's no other context in which you, exactly. you see these people. Yeah. Except in pictures on the web or whatever, you know. I've also learned a few things about uh, San Diego bike taxis. Oh, I mean, God. these guys, these are guys are jerks. terrible. All right, you, the, you, you're walking from. Okay, we're at the Hyatt, which is maybe a three or four minute walk from yeah. the convention center. It's, right. Once you've done it nine times, you know it's not so cool, but uh, but it's not that far. So these bike taxis are always waiting on the parking lot, and they got all these rude hey, guys. Hey, want to ride? Like, yeah, you want to ride, buddy? You know, it's like they all I'll have to pick up. They have to pick up like East Coast accents, right? right, right. You want to ride, buddy? So they can sound tough. And uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, what? I'm supposed to pay you to take me 500 feet right, to the convention right, right. center? And so you know, all the humans will say, okay, how much? Ten dollars. What? You know, I mean, yeah, what yeah, what yeah. what does that come out to? Like 120 dollars an hour? Yeah. And I'll just say, yeah, no thanks. And then you just have some guy go, well, you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Carl? These guys must have they all went read to the this. Dale Carnegie, <laughs> How to Win Friends and Influence People School. Yeah, they're really how great to earn salesmen. a living on the street as God. a taxi. Yeah. So, needless to say, we uh we have not been and also, having had, anything to do with you, these guys. Uh, is it? No, you you were talking about some guy who had an experience where he was just walking down the street here. Some guy rolled... John Osborne. John he's, Osborne. Uh, he's out at O'Reilly. John Osborne is out at O'Reilly on the East Coast. And he was walking around San Diego three days ago, I want to say. And it was about 8 o'clock in the morning. He was by himself, just <laughs> walking along, minding his own business. He's a really nice guy. He doesn't look like trouble at all. He's just, just a really cool guy. And this car pulls up beside him. The windows roll down. And this guy shouts out the window, Hey, buddy! And then John says, Yeah? And the guy says, You're not from here. <laughs> and then John's just like, well, you're right. And the guy says, why don't you leave? And then he just rolls up the window and drives off. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, what's up? We with also that? saw people like shouting down with Microsoft, you know, outside. Somebody, I heard a rumor that there was that happening. Well, well, it's not were... like there's people protesting Microsoft outside Tech Ed. It's not like that at all. But just random incidents of nutcases yeah. are, you know, just sort of popping up. Well, there's there's San Diego is not a huge city, right? right? It's not like L.A., which is how I was thinking of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's a much smaller place, so I think that people here kind of have more of a community feel, and they're they're kind of doing the whole small town it's not a small town but no, they're doing not. the small town yeah they sound um, they, they yeah. like the pod people when they recognize you and they point at you and they go <laughs> ah you know we're, we're, we're getting some of that stuff going on so that that's been a little weird i, yeah. I wanted to say though i liked your reaction to the ta- to the bike cab guys today oh yeah yeah the, the guy's like hey buddy you want to ride and carl oh yeah i go hey hey how you doing i like wave to him hey buddy how are you doing he goes all right how you doing and i said great and he's, he's like, says, so you want to ride? You want to ride? I go, no. <laughs> I, I just wanted to <laughs> say, all right, you're doing a great job. How you doing? I'm hoping you're having a great day. <laughs> you got to get your revenge in little ways, you know? <laughs> but yeah, those guys are jerks. Uh, now, I want to just, I also, we, we should also say that NetIQ, the company yeah. sponsored during the show, during the day, their own guys to drive for free people back and forth from the conference for free and they're nice they're nice guys yeah. they're actually nice and they're also it's also free so they're not you know pressuring you for a buck yeah right but after or the show 10. gets out at four o'clock or four thirty or whatever it is then you know the regular bike cabbies take over and those are the guys we're talking about you yeah know, the guys that net iq hired were actually really cool and i've i've actually taken a cabbie over there a couple of times yeah especially when i'm carrying big bags and stuff <sighs> so uh <laughs> so we got that off our chest. <laughs> so it's been at least 2 weeks since we've read any mail cuz the last show we 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 were on vacation last week. Yeah. And uh the week before that we was when my hard drive crashed. Right. So like I you know I didn't have all fun. the mail. So I got all my hard drive back and everything's cool. So we have actually some mail from from days of yore and uh one of the emails that I'm going to read we actually read before but uh, and this is the first one. But uh, I didn't have an answer then, and now that the uh, cat is out of the bag, at least on a particular product, which I'll mention, uh, we can answer it. So this was from Andrew Bibby, uh, and he says, "Hey guys, first up, loving the show. Been listening for about thirty shows now, and it just gets better. I listen at work, and it sure beats concentrating on whatever dull piece of work <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing." <laughs> Carl, dude, you rock. I've been a big fan since Carl and Gary's. That was you, wasn't it? Uh, yes, that was me. And Rory, dude, you are funny and your girlfriend is hot. Good work. <laughs> and I wish they'd stop saying that. No, what, what I will say is you've got good taste. All yes, right. yes. About the girlfriend. I don't know about Carl me, but you got good taste <laughs> about my girlfriend. Down to my question. One of the worst tools I use every day is Visual Source Safe. I've read that VSS is getting an overhaul in Whidbey. Please tell me uh, if this is true, and if so, do you have any info on it? Anything you can tell us? Thanks for all your efforts in putting together a great show. All the best, Andrew, VB Developer, Sirius Group, that's S-I-R-I-U-S, Birmingham, UK. And Andrew, yes, before we said no comment, uh, now we can actually talk about it. We actually talked to people on the show floor today. Uh, who we're talking about it. So we're just going to let them answer it. But yes, there's a new product that's coming out in the Whidbey timeframe that includes the project management and things for working in teams that uh, is, is a managed code implementation. It totally rocks. Everybody's really excited about it. And uh, now we can talk about it. So so listen for that during the show. And uh, I, for one, am, am very excited about it. And relieved. And actually. relieved now that we can 
<laughs> yeah, say what it is. This next one is from Denton, and he doesn't have a last name. Denton is his name. And uh, I swear to God, that's his email, Denton, and he signed it Denton. So maybe it's his first name and last name, kind of like Mork, you know? <laughs> is that your first name or last name? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, guys. Just listening to the latest show about code generation and wanted to let you know that gas is $1 per liter here in Australia at the moment, which works out to about $5 per gallon. Jeez. Are those Australian dollars, though? No, five U.S. dollars. Whoa. That's incredible. <laughs> we think we have it bad, right? Keep up the great work and keep those weirdos Googling Denton. And uh, let's see. The next one we have here. Uh, this is from Richard Callaby. And he says, Carl, I'm a great fan of your .NET Rock show and listen to it as often as I can to learn new things about the .NET programming world that I have not yet discovered. I especially like the Kathleen Dollard show on code generation. Very, very cool. Bought the book, and I just wanted to let you know of a program that Microsoft has in regards to universities that was hinted on the last show, but not accurately depicted. It is called MSDN Academic Alliance, and we have a link to it on that show. What it involves is the IS or CS department purchases an MSDNAA, Academic Alliance, license for their students to use. What is surprising is the low cost of $800. This is the same price as the academic edition of the MSDN subscription. Yes, it does exist. Just thought you would like to know and help spread the word on the show. Great, huh? By the way, I am in one of the user groups that Russ Facino frequents down here in Tampa. I understand that he taught on your staff at your company. If he is a representative of the level of quality that your company demands, then I must someday attend one of your classes in person. Thanks, Richard Calby. And I just want to say, Richard, how are you doing? All right. <laughs> Excellent. Finally, uh, we have one that we just got today. Those were from earlier. This is from uh, Andy Scrace. I think it is S-C-R-A-S-E. Hey, Carl and Rory, have you read Eric Lippert's very funny blog posting on Google referrals here? And he gives a link. Uh, by the way, thanks for the show. I am a longtime fan. I used to go for a lunchtime run and listen to DNR on my MP3 player. Now I need a two-hour mountain bike ride at the weekend just to listen to it. DNR gets you fit. All the best. Uh, Andy Scrace, South Brighton by the Pacific Ocean with DSL and lots of Wi-Fi high spots. He just had to add that, and he's in Christchurch, New Zealand. It's those New Zealanders again. Yeah. Have you yeah, heard about the thing he's talking about? The uh, the Google weirdosy thing? Yeah. Yeah, actually, a lot of people have come up to me at the conference and asked me if I'd seen that. And uh, yeah, I have, you know. Um, what do you think? I wish I had thought of it. <laughs> 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 no, no, but no, it's, it's, it's good. It's fun, you know. It's yeah. good stuff. Cool. <laughs> and speaking of Google weirdos, now it's time in our show when we do the segment called The Google Weirdos. So, Rory, what is Google Weirdos? Google Weirdos, man, <laughs> for the 900th time. I don't mean to drive you people nuts, but you got to remember there's new people listening each week, and Google Weirdos is going to be a bit of a shock if they don't know what it is. So, right. Google Weirdos. Is a result of me looking through the referral logs for my website, neopolian.com, neopolian.com. Right. And uh, I go through to see how it is that people are getting to my site through Google. 
And I typically, when I'm, when I'm looking through this stuff, I find some really out there searches, things that obviously were not intended to arrive Strange at my site. Strange things. Weird things, right. And, uh, and I like to take those particular searches, compile them all together, and roll them into the segment called Google Weirdos. And as this segment has grown in popularity, people are groaning now. They're like, okay, Roy, we've heard this a million times. No, but there's a lot of people who yeah. are have not. So as so. the segment has grown in popularity, uh, people have begun to contact me through Google Weirdos, using it as a cheap sort of one-way email system. And I call those particular searches the shouts out, and I like to, or the shout outs. I don't know what the it shout is. Outs, you pluralize yeah. something. Sure. And I like shouts to read outs. those first. Shouts outs. <laughs> <laughs> There's no mistaking it then. <laughs> yeah. so, so here we go so with what the, are the shouts outs. outs. The shouts outs for today are uh, Rory only went back to Portland because he was not getting any. Um, <laughs> any what? Cookies? Uh, uh, no, you gave him all that guy on the plane. Uh, yeah. Any ice cream? I mean, you're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> all right. The next one is Rory Blythe, come back. I don't know. It's, I that must be somebody out in Connecticut. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know who it is. Must be Joe. Yeah, could could be Joe. Yeah, could, could be could even be Jeff. Could be sound guy. I miss Jeff. Actually, yeah. I really do miss Jeff. Could be my buddy Chris Jackson. I don't know who it is, but somebody out there and whoever it is, I'll be back sometime to visit. Next one is Rory. Please don't drink my blood. Um, and if you'd stop putting it in the fridge, then I'd stop drinking it. Okay. This is a two way yeah, really. street. <laughs> Like, how are you going to get it? You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I have my ways crossed. Okay. Well, we won't go <laughs> and so and the, he's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> and so the last time that uh, that we did Google Weirdos, somebody put a search in for Rory Blythe wears a monocle and rides a unicycle to work. Right. And, which we actually, many people don't know because they don't scroll down that far. Right. But Jay Monroe from Tectoons.com actually drew a caricature of you so riding a unicycle, a wearing a monocle. Uh, in a German pith helmet with a handlebar mustache to work. When you have a lot of resources and a lot of free time, this is what happens. But yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff. So whoever did that one seems to have followed it up with, Rory Blythe installed hydraulics on his unicycle and bounces by all the ladies. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Hydraulics on a unicycle. Hydraulics on a unicycle. <laughs> boing, boing, boing. So the next one is, what is infinity plus one, Rory Blythe? And I would have to say that <laughs> it is infinity plus 9,386 minus 9,385. Ooh, that's a great answer. You know what, though? I'm sure there's like some number theorist out there who would just debate with me all night about whether that's right or not. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's horribly wrong, but this is just for kicks, Aren't you right? glad Jeff isn't here to say, but infinity isn't a number? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wish he were, but... You know, oh well. He's probably going to insert that into the. <laughs> Go the ahead, sound Jeff. guy has all the power in the he world has the to do power whatever of he wants. Editing, yep. That's right. The next one is Rory Blythe. Will you read this on .NET Rocks? No, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Forget it, <laughs> jerk. You're not the boss of me. I'll show you. All right, so that's it with the shouts outs. That's the shout so now we get for to the week. true weirdos. These are the weirdos. And there weren't many this time, which is weird because I had weeks between. Now, just, now you know, we, we poked a little fun at Eric, but you've been doing this far longer than anybody. I mean, you invented this medium. I don't know if I did invent it, but... Uh, I don't know anybody who's doing yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm glad other people are doing it, though, because there's a lot of fun stuff going yeah. on out there. You it know? just is an interesting, fun way to see the weirdness in people. Yeah. So we, we've got we've got some weirdness here. Oh, Lordy, I can't take these talking dogs anymore. (laughs) 
this is one of those interesting this is one of those interesting things because this person is at home and obviously dealing with these dogs. Now, is the person crazy or are the dogs crazy? It's like son of Sam. Bark, 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 bark. Well, no, because I mean, obviously, a dog that talks is a crazy dog, right? But a person who hears talking dogs is a crazy He's person. A crazier person. This is confusing. I'm moving dog. on because that's just too confusing. So we've got another one here. It's uh, what to do if people think I am gay and I say, don't let them down. <laughs> jerk no you, you, you'd be surprised how many people like express their uh uh their insecurities yeah about people viewing them as homosexuals in right. in google it's completely bizarre i don't usually read it because it's one of those touchy subjects and huh. you know i don't i don't like i don't like to live deal and with let it. live we say but yeah exactly so i just say if people think it then who cares you know i think right. i think my aunt thinks i'm gay and i don't care <laughs> i'm glad i got that purse for christmas last year and i'm not kidding <laughs> so so the next one is how to clean toes and what scares me about this is that this person has gone far enough along in their life that they can spell they can write they can use the internet but they have obviously never cleaned their toes they don't even know where to begin right right Uh, do do we need a book you know (laughs) should we be on amazon.com how to clean your toes so we got another one it's what better reward can we get and i like this because this is one of those like pat each other on the back and hmm. you know what better reward than feeding the children i'll tell you what money <laughs> send me a big fat check jeez all this sentimental mumbo jumbo and but you fine, know think about oh. that one what better reward can we get that's something somebody typed into google for what what is that all about I, you know how what was that you know search for seriously (laughs) seriously that's the way most of these are though i know but at least some you know cooking with pig milk that's like a purpose there (laughs) even if it is weird but that one just doesn't seem like they knew what google was yeah you know no there's there's a lot of weirdness out there man seriously 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 Seriously. they should have used a google (laughs) web service then lastly this is the very last one we've got blog exotic dancers ohio and it's like, how many disparate, totally unrelated concepts can we pack into one Google search? So what I want exotic, a, exotic dancer that has a blog in Ohio. So this Is guy went though? to a strip club and saw the stripper who said, I'm really from Ohio and I have a blog. <laughs> no, he's trying to track this person <laughs> yeah, What's your down. email? Oh, I have a blog and I live in Ohio. <laughs> just Google for it. Just really, just Google me. <laughs> yeah, so that's Google Weirdos for the week. All right. So, uh, as we said before, where the show isn't really going to be us talking right here, where we've right. already done the talking, we've talked to a lot of people on the floor. So, let's just uh, roll the tape and we'll catch up with you during the break. Cool. These were suicides, so we weren't doing that. So they gave us this whole new level of functionality to give you in. Well, you know, there's got to be a whole 100,000 DBAs looking at this just like they did when the when XML showed up, they thought, "Oh my God, all the web developers are going to be working in my database now." Yes, I, actually, I just saw. I went to the Women in Technology thing, which was pretty cool actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there was a girl there who was a SQL Server 
did with Administrator, who couldn't wait for this new technology because now she was in the same environment as the developers. Yeah, yeah that's Inside true. Visual Studio. That's she said, all I know, all I know is that's Enterprise true. Manager, and I have no feel for. Well, we got seven I, minutes to get to a I'm session in the same spot. Seven minutes. You going to that Yukon thing? I think I'll go to I, Yukon. I, I I've never seen a Yukon thing. I would love to go. I might be enticed. It's a five AB. 5AB? Yep. 5AB? Lead the way, because I have no idea which way that is. <laughs> it's got to be that way. 5AB was up the stairs. So here is the uh, Huckabeeus Timis in his natural habitat, San Diego. Here, let's move over here where it's a little less loud. How are you doing? I'm great, Carl. How are you? Having a good show? I'm having a great show in my backyard, San Diego, California. Yes. yes. Um, but honestly, I think you need a TV show. <laughs> and I will it is my personal mission to make sure that you replace David Letterman. I, I sincerely believe that you could kick his ass. Is that good? Cut. So you you did some talks already? Or are you going to? Or uh, you know what? When you're old like I am, you get to speak on the first day. You get your work done, and then you're done, and you get to party the rest of the week. What did you speak on? I did uh, architecting and building smart. Client applications in .NET. And that's I opened the uh, the track. I opened the the virtual smart client track that we're running here at TechEd. Awesome. Did the broad overview, Windows Forms, Visual Studio Tools for Office, Compact Framework, InfoPath, all the smart client application development offerings that we have in .NET. It's a great session. It's really fun. It was packed. I got good scores. I'm turning. Okay. Yes. Yeah, what does get, that mean? It's getting a little loud. No, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> is that like one of we only have one microphone signals? and it's not very directional, so that's the problem. Yeah, so so uh, we were talking about smart clients on your on your show, on your .NET Rock show. We were? We were. Okay. I know that's your area of expertise. and It's my personal jihad for right. the last year, yes. Right, and now what I want you to do is, for the 90th time uh, and the 90th permutation, but the, the correct permutation, what is a smart Client. Okay, that's 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 a because legitimate question, and there's certainly obviously some confusion. at TechEd there was some confusion. There is right? some confusion. Um, oh, not TechEd at DevDay. I'll give you my personal definition okay. of a smart client is anything that is not a browser-based application. All right, and that's kind of a weak definition. Yeah. Microsoft has become much more crisp in the definition of a smart client yeah. application. Um, partially connected or disconnected scenarios right. using local CPU resources. Secure, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, rich Windows interface. Right. Dot net. Right. Dot net. I think. Uh, right. I, I personally believe that the smart client revolution only happens with dot net. Right. And it, honestly, it only happens on the Microsoft platform. There's not a lot of competition. Um, right. on the other side of the house. And they compete just fine in web. They have great application servers. They have good tools. They compete just fine. Not that ASP.NET is not awesome. It is awesome. Yes. But there is competition. There right. is, in, For in my intranet opinion... applications, they're way more appropriate. Right. Yeah. And, and it is my opinion that um, uh, clearly... There's a golden path to pay for Microsoft yeah. on the smart client side. Now, I'm a developer. I'm watching this right now. You're the king of developers. I, no, 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 no. You're the I, god. I, I'm not me, currently. Oh. All right. So for the developer watching this, geez, you know, I don't need that. My head's big enough. I'm trying to kill my ego here, all right? <clears throat> for the developer watching this, I get 
that the .NET framework needs to be installed on all my machines in my, in my company. How on earth do I convince my boss to do that? Okay, so so what's holding, really the question should be, what's holding back the smart client right. revolution? Um, and that is and what's that holding clearly, back. And that clearly, the, the number one reason is it's we can't, or it's been historically very difficult to get the .NET framework out to the desktop machine. And honestly, Microsoft hasn't really helped us. Right. So only for the savvy, reason, they, for whatever reason, whether it be political or right. legal, right. or it's the network guys But or they whatever. clearly know that it has to happen as well. Right. There's, there's hurdles. Of course. So only the, the savvy companies of the world have... In, the, in a smaller company, clearly, it's a lot easier to get the .NET framework to the desktop than it is in a very yeah. large company. But the, in the large companies, there are very savvy companies that have figured out that you can build a Windows app in half the time as you can in a web right. app, which is all about dollars, and yep. they've slipped in the .NET framework into their right. SMS updates or their office rollouts, or they've figured out how to do it. And I met your friend from Pacifica Life? Brad Sherrill from Pacific Life, who's yes. a VP in IT there, is one of those savvy people who said... You, to his network people, you will figure out how to get the .NET framework to the desktop, yeah. and you will do it within the next four months. Yeah. And the way they did it is they slipped it into their office rollout. Sure. It's, it's a great story. Brad's yeah. a smart guy. Right. And really, you should be interviewing him. Yeah, we will. Although I'm a lot better looking than him. <laughs> hey, um, there's all these people, I think, waiting for me to sign the yeah, thing. Yeah, do you me mind? too. All right. You guys. Do you mind? It's, you guys it's the bingo office. thing. You're still there, too, Carl. All right, go ahead. Hey, uh, that was you back. Guitar, right? Oh yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. All right, I'll sign after Tim signs. So. All right. Cool. Oh, there's a pad. There we go. Free mouse for you. Nice to meet you, guys. Hey, so you just won the bingo. guys. It's Keith Nicholson and Billy Hollis having to talk about NASA and over-engineering. <laughs> We're geeks, what can we say? What's up? And Sharpies. Yeah. Yep. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing great. Having a good show? Been fantastic. A lot well, of good people. Keith, let me ask you, what was your uh, what was your favorite talk that you've seen so far? Uh, you know, cabanas. I haven't really? actually hit the sessions. I've been hitting some different cabanas on, uh, on SharePoint and on BizTalk. Talking with the teams? Talking with the teams right there. That's been the best part of it. Wow. Oh, that's so. cool. So the cabanas are, not very many people can go. There's like some couches and no microphones, but. Couches, people hanging out. People it's just hanging real out. personal. Yeah. I mean, it's, sometimes they're pretty crowded. you got to be up pretty close. Right. But, I mean, the people are there and they're making a great content. And look at so this, man. You're working for Dunn Training and Dunn. Consulting. That's Mark As Dunn. As a matter of fact, yeah. yeah everybody so, knows Mark. So how's Mark doing? Fantastic. And you guys are doing great. You've got a lot of yeah. uh, got a lot of classes, got a lot of trainers. And doing a lot of stuff, especially with academia. Yeah, it's right. really good. SQL right. group, uh, analysis server. We're doing SharePoint now. Awesome. And uh, the schools to be amazed what education is looking at doing within Microsoft technology. Oh, that's fantastic. It's really That's good. really good to hear because I was a little concerned for the educational market. And for the longest time, it was all Java, Java, Java. And well, you know, you you talk to the professors, they'll do it, but the IT shops are turning around and are actually interested in doing it. 
Yeah. Well, that's good. That it's great to hear. All right, man. Well, good say, hi, you again, say hi to mom. I will. All right. No, no, right now. Hi, oh. mom. Hey, mom. Love you. <laughs> there you go. All right. And no dad, you too. <laughs> and you, sir. Yes. Hey, come, let's come over here. Oh, so. Right, sure. So the loud, loud people don't uh, distract us. Get in front it's, of the RD it's kind of like the Antiques Roadshow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> not to say you're an antique or anything, you know? I'm oh, not, well, I am. I'm not telling you how to live. I'm but. more than 25 years old. <laughs> been an adult more than 25 years old. <laughs> so how's the show for you? The show's been re really good. Uh, logistically, there were a couple of things that didn't do well early on, but yeah. uh, uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. I've, uh, I've got more sessions than I've ever had at TechEd. We did a real fun architecture Yeah, what, what are your sessions that you've been well, doing? Well, let's see. I did a smart client architecture thing on Sunday, and that went pretty well. That was a, a whole day of various architectural topics. Okay. And then we did an architectural panel at lunch on Monday. Yeah. Um, myself, Yuval Loy, um, Clemens Vasters, and Michelle Bustamante. Bustamante, yeah. And we did an on-the-fly thing designing uh, an architecture based on a problem. I actually presented the requirements and uh -huh. let them fight over the architecture. Wow, that's and, cool. And the audience seemed to really like it. That's good because they can see the thinking process of yeah. you know how you go through that. And then on Friday, I'll go do some real real code. I'll go do. Oh, some, okay. I've got a session on advanced Windows forms and have a good time there. And then we have the software legends thing tomorrow, which is ne ne doesn't necessarily have a lot of in-depth content, but we usually have a lot of fun with it. Tell everybody about WinForms.com, and because nobody seems to know that it's there. You mean Windows Forms? Windows Forms. Dot net. Yeah. Okay. That, Windows. Yeah. Case in point, right? There you go, yeah. Windowsforms.net. Windowsforms.net is probably the best single place to go for resources on Windowsforms stuff. Uh, they have the, the, their code hero thing, and, and they have people who have written interesting controls, and uh, a lot of my articles are so, actually linked to that So it's like site. a portal, like ASP.NET is for the ASP It, it, it is. It's very much similar to ASP.NET. They, do, uh, ha they did for a while have, I guess they still do have some people at Microsoft that actually refresh that content pretty continuously. Yeah. So, uh, so there's a lot of interesting stuff. There's good reasons to go. There are forums there. Uh, yeah, cool. That are worthwhile, where you really can ask some pretty in-depth Windows Forms to questions. To tell you the truth, I didn't know about it until TechEd. I was actually talking. Really? Yeah, I didn't know. I was, I was talking with the Microsoft group, and somebody mentioned it, and I said, "What is that? I've never been there." So. Oh yeah, that's on the the um, when they did the Software Legends trading card. Okay. I cited that as one of the sites, as, as well as your site, oh, cool. Franklin's.net. Oh great. But WindowsForms.net is one of the four or five sites I told I, I thought people should definitely go visit. Wow, that's great. But, you know, I was talking with Tim Huckabee, who's the, who kicked off the smart uh, client track, and he was, I was asking him the same question I'll ask you. You're a developer. You're watching this right now. You get the fact that the framework has to be deployed to all of your machines in your corporation to facilitate smart client development, yet how do I tell my, how do I convince my boss to make that happen? It's well, a hard sell. The developers get it. IT doesn't get it. Is it fear? What what is it? How do I how do I do that? Well, I have not had trouble in that area, mostly because okay. I approach it more from a return on investment standpoint. Right. Because let's take a typical example, and 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 smart clients not the right answer for every situation. That's true. But there are some answers. There are some situations in the, which it's really compelling. Yes, especially like the intranet software. That the only reason right. they're not using Windows is because they're afraid of DLL hell touching the machine, right. all that stuff. So yeah. basically, you can if, if you're talking about fairly straightforward corporate software. Um, one of the reasons I found that that, that that turns on the management and the infrastructure people is they can deploy internal apps without IIS running internally. Yeah. That surprised me that that was a consideration, but That's they really like that. But more to the point is the economic reasons. Yeah. So we just finished an app. Uh, you got to talk in dollars and cents. Yeah, 1,000 call center operators. They believe, based on their metrics, 
that a smart client is a minimum of 10% more productive for their operators than a browser-based system would have been. Huh. Because we can tweak the app to do exactly what the operator needs. Right. And they've got some some um, some throughput right. estimates that indicate that, that that's a conservative number. Right. Well, if you do the math, a thousand call center operators, yeah. Yeah. 10% a hundred. Yeah. These are nurses. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. full-time equivalent, sixty, seventy thousand per year. Right. If you're talking about everything that you pay, right. you know, salary benefits. And that's and a conservative. That's six, yeah. That's conservative. You're talking six to seven million dollars a year that a smart client saves over a browser-based. Yeah. So if you're talking about large numbers of people who are at that app every day, right. then smart client is just an obvious compelling choice. you think choice. people would rather use a Windows application than a web application? Oh, the users for... would much rather use it. Yeah. They, it it's, it's designed specifically with their needs in mind, right. and you have enormous flexibility to do that. You also can have better security. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can make sure that you, you can use their local Windows logon right. for authentication, Yeah. And, and that way they've got single sign-on. Right. Uh, there you can just, integrate with Office, for example, stuff you couldn't do. Talk to Outlook and you things can't. like that. There, there are just so many possibilities that you can, uh, where you can make people happier, more productive. Yeah. Uh, you can design plug-in architectures with dynamic loading. Yeah. You can do a very responsive data validation, right, so that right, when right. they find out something's wrong, they know instantly. They don't have to submit the page. Yeah. Uh, there are just there are many, many compelling reasons for high productivity apps that Windows Forms are better. Now, um, what about the the case, the argument that, well, we looked at Windows Forms and it just seemed a little too primitive. You know, the controls didn't seem really rich and robust and we had some problems. What, how did, what's the story for controls and, and development of Windows apps in Widby? I, well, in the, there's new... certainly a lot better controls in Widby, and especially on the data side. I think that, that the controls in Widby are a lot more are compelling than what was in .NET 10111. Yeah. But to me, that, I, I guess... My situation may be different, but to me that that argument was a non-starter because it's so easy to create controls. Yeah. Okay. And so, if a control doesn't is do it really what I want, easy for, for it is really easy to create controls. So, what's control creation 101? I mean, you don't start with a user control. No, it's I just... inherit from a text box. Yeah. And let's say, for example, one of the best examples is a date control. Now, here's the problem with dates in both Windows Forms yeah, and Web. They don't bind forms, well. They don't bind well <laughs> because in in the in the .NET version of a date, there's no such thing as a null. Right. But in the database, there is such a thing yeah. as a null. Well, I I took a text box, made it to format to dates, put a little embedded a small image inside the text box to pop up a calendar. No. For when people wanted to select, but made it very high speed data entry, and also made it expose the properties to. And this bind isn't properly. rocket science. It's like a couple no, lines of code. I did this in. An hour. Yeah. Or uh, maybe two. Yeah. And so the, the lack of controls isn't much of a, of a constraint for anybody who really understands object-oriented right, development. Right. Now, admittedly... And that's what inheritance is all yeah, about. You ad- start with something rich. Yeah, admittedly, there are a lot of VB6-style developers who really don't get the inheritance thing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I think you and I are both trying to change that. We, we are. We're, I'm on a jihad to sort of introduce that. I'm really looking at doing a DVD series on object orientation good. specifically to try to help VB guys good. move into that yeah. arena. Because there aren't any good books on it. No. Um, and no, it's true. Practically there are speaking. You have, a, I think, a class. I have an yep. object-oriented yep. class. But uh, uh, classes classes are very tough for object orientation because you almost have to readjust your yeah, thinking. Yeah, it takes longer than a week. Yeah, you can't yeah. do it in a week. Yeah. Uh, and when I'm teaching them locally, I usually teach one day a week for five weeks That's good. instead of That's good. five days in a row. Right. So I, I think that, that the Windows Form flexibility is so much more than ASP.NET. And, you know, there are just 
Even though ASP.NET has reduced the amount of silly nonsense that you got to know by probably 90% over ASP. Yeah. There's still weird things you just got to know in True. order to make it effective. True. And I think... It, casting, for example. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that I, I pride myself in how to teach casting. It's something that I find that VB programmers, your VB6, intermediate to advanced VB6 programmers know nothing about. Yeah. Because yeah. it's inheritance-based, and there's nothing... They just don't... There's nothing to relate it to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking at the smart client alternative. Uh, well, certainly it's the primary part of development for every project I do although it may not be the only part. The current yeah. project we're working on has a web front end for people outside the organization, uh -huh. but inside the organization it's all smart client, except yeah. for the inventory piece, which is mobile. Huh. And all talking to the same middle tier. That's great. You know, beautiful. that's a great point, because a lot of people think they have to choose one technology over the other for everything. And that's just that's, that's a false dichotomy. That's false. And especially if you build your objects correctly, mm -hmm. your objects should do what your application does. Your UI should just be... Just changeable. A, just a way for the users That's to right. have a view. So you could do both. For That's any right. particular piece of it, you could have a Windows version for your local users. You could have a web version for the people in the field. Yeah, and typically the web version is just a simplified, a simplified capability, UI. set of capabilities yeah. of what the Windows forms can yeah. do. And I, I find a lot of those kind of, of false dichotomies. People argue over, should I use remoting, should I use web services? Right, right. But you know, with a good architecture, you can use both. You can use both, right. And, and it doesn't take much more effort to do that. Yeah. And um, uh, if you architect it with the right layers so that you, you're able to easily change from one to the other and evolve right. the data transport as you as, as .NET develops right. toward Indigo. Um, so just some fairly straightforward architectural fairly straightforward principles things. will make an app that I think probably will have a shelf life of 10 years minimum. Absolutely. And I agree. I totally agree. And that's how I design the code in my classes is so that it works. We take it from a local DLL, a Windows application, a web application, a web service, and remote yeah. in the same DLL, the same data set centric yep. programming yep. model. And yeah, you're right, with just the right architecture makes it work. Yeah. All right, guy. Thanks. Thanks, Carl. It's been awesome. Good to talk so, to you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And uh, say hi to mom for me. I will. <laughs> no, not right now. Say hi, mom. Oh. Hi, mom. There you go. All right. <laughs> Which mom am I saying hi to? Your mom. My mom. Uh, yeah, okay. She'll never see it, but oh, that's okay. okay. <laughs> we'll see you around, man. Right? <laughs> I got a little excited talking to Billy there. This is a kind of an appropriate song to play after talking with him anyway. Anyhow, um, Don Kiley stopped by and we talked to him and Stephen Forte. And then we went outside to the bookstore where Don Box and John Lamb were signing their book, Essential XML. Here we go. Uh, just, I'm, I'm sort of on the, the, the down level, the midway through tech ed, so I'm feeling a little bit of a slump. I'm kind of tired, but yeah. doing okay. This is Wednesday, obviously. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, so what, have you seen any sessions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A bunch of them. Which were your favorites? Uh, I guess probably the .NET security and uh, Yukon security. Some okay. real okay. real cool stuff coming in that you can do. Is this stuff that you already knew or learned something? or? Uh, learned a few things. Yeah. Basically, a lot of the 
new stuff is just how how innovative some of the attacks are getting to be to oh. attack your code. You know, it's Ooh. it just blows me away just how clever like hackers what kind of and stuff, crackers. But we're way beyond cross-site scripting now. Obviously. Oh yeah. Well, and part of it is is new techniques, and part of it is just incredibly clever new ways of using things like SQL injection and cross-site scripting and that Ooh. sort of stuff. And also, I, I one thing I definitely did learn is is that the uh, validate request it's so easy to defeat that. Oh, really? Yeah, you just put a null in after the opening bracket of, a, of a, like a script tag. Hey, what's up, Forte? I was just um, saying hello to Hi, Kylie. How you doing? My favorite man, the legend. And Pat. Hey, what's up? So, Steve, you seen any sessions? I saw one session. Yeah. It was called From Interoperability to... From Interoperability to Migration. Linux and... Oracle and SQL Server working Linux together. Linux and Oracle at TechEd? I was the presenter. Oh. That's why I saw the session. <laughs> How Yes, go? Linux and Oracle. That's all I have. Linux and Oracle, TechEd went fabuloso. Yeah, cool. A lot of folks who are using um, not just a pure Microsoft solution. So it was um, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it was great content. And um, packed the house. Everyone was happy. A lot of questions. A lot of people. We used Oracle on Linux. A lot of people using DB2 on AS400. I mean, there were a lot of different scenarios. We showed Enterprise Link Server. Alicing everything as a stored procedure, and then you're using SQL Client in your .NET application to hit these third-party databases on different environments. Wow. Worked great. So we had a SQL Server 2000 using Link Server to a Linux Fedora Red Hat running Oracle 10G. Wow. And all our Oracle calls were stored procedures. And then we just wow. eventually migrated the database to SQL Server, dropped the stored procedures, recreated them with the same names, and the application didn't change a single line of code. That is sweet. It was pretty cool. It's a, so what's like the major, the major hurdle when talking across platforms? Like Getting that. well, case sensitivity in Oracle was a big one. Oh, really? <laughs> that took a day off our lives. <laughs> I think it was just getting the drivers up. We were using VPC sessions, so getting the IP addresses of the machines. Yeah. It's a little easier in the real world when you have actual machines themselves. Yeah. You install the Oracle stuff on the Microsoft, and if you're networking set up properly, you know, TCP IP, it actually works pretty well. That's cool. It is pretty cool. That's cool. So they they obviously talk. Uh, open, do, you, do you soap for any of these transactions? We do not use web services. It's all TCP IP it's all and native TCP drivers. And native PC. SQL Server passes native PSQL over. Oh, great. Yep. Oh, oh. Wrapped in a SQL Server stored procedure, okay. we pass T-SQL. It's kind of a pass-through query and access, right. if you remember right. those. Yeah, sure. Back in the day. Well, you basically open a connection, you send some you send some T-SQL, a stored procedure call, and that's it, right? I mean, right. On your client-side code, you're calling regular SQL Server stored procedures. Wow. The only, the oh, only oh, hurdle, I get it, I get it. The only hurdle is data types. Oracle is some different data types, so you got to do some maybe yeah, that's mapping. Be weird. That's, that's actually not as hard as... If that's your biggest problem, then you're cool. Would you like to see, like, Oracle data types in the framework? That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know how necessary, but it would be pretty cool. Yeah. Or some easy way to map them. They don't some necessarily have to, to be there themselves. Because right. SQL Server data types are yeah. not necessarily in the framework, but there's ways to map them. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah. So you're going to go climb any mountains? I've got a couple coming up. Mount Francis in Alaska next week. Really? Yeah, then Rainier in July and Kilimanjaro in October. Oh, you, I'm, lo- I'm jealous, yeah. Someone just died on Rainier, so we're being extra careful. Wow. That's yeah. good. All right, man. Catch up with you later. Interrupted you before. Oh. I'm sorry. Actually, Forte interrupted. We can blame. Yeah, him. that's right. Well, Forte's like that, you know. True. <laughs> I heard so. my name. <laughs>
Yeah. And it was in vain. No, we were, it was and it usually vain. is used yeah. in vain. Yeah. Yeah. No, we were talking about the notation program, Forte. Uh, so. Oh, yeah, we don't, we don't yeah, want to yeah. do that. Yeah. So what else have you been working on or, or checking out at the show? What's been... Oh, well, I, I was just finishing going through the exhibit hall. It's yeah. great to, to see. There's a lot of really cool, innovative products. Yeah. But the biggest thing is that I can't believe how big it is compared to the last couple of years. So I think that really bodes well for the industry. Dude, have you seen Code Rush? Code Rush? No. Code Rush? you got to see Code Rush. Oh, okay. Just, Who is go, it? just Google it and download it, CodeRushOriginalStudio.net, okay. and that's all I'm going to tell you. Okay. So I'll hook up with you in a couple weeks and okay. let me know how, how you like it. Another thing that, that uh, Gary Cornell turned me on to is that looks pretty interesting is Lookout Soft. It's an add-in for Outlook for searching. But what's cool about it is it's a .NET app. And Gary was talking about in terms of people, .NET's been out now enough, yeah. so that people are doing little utilities like that. And I have to kind of look at what they're doing with Outlook, because I didn't know that you could really integrate .NET with Outlook all that well. I didn't know either, yeah. yeah so. I actually use X1. X1 is this NFS kind of thing. Yeah. That's how I search all my email. Okay. It just takes a lot of memory, but I have a gig around. So. Right. And the performance is okay? Great. Because I, I downloaded installed it and played for as long as you've got enough so. memory it's good okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll try that again alright yeah, so, so. Yeah, otherwise it's just seeing friends and uh, geeking out and the parties show. of course have been great yeah yes they have yeah. so yeah alright we'll catch up with you later okay, talk to you later alright bye yes, we just happened to be walking by and Don and John were holding up a copy of their book which is Central XML ooh 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 I like that you know of all the books I've worked on, the one I worked on with John is my absolute favorite book, yet it's the most reviled book I ever worked on. <laughs> now, why is that? It was ahead of its time. Really? It talked about this notion of an info set way before anybody cared, and now, like, everybody and his brother talks that Really? I love this book. Didn't so, you love this book? John? I love that book, too. So when, Which one when was this on written? Cover? That's me. That's you? I actually uh, yeah, great. worked out for the, uh, the, the photo shoot, and uh, I insisted that, you know... They, uh, they don't capture my eyes. It was a big when when was this? Yeah. I'm okay. sorry. When was this written? When did we write this? 2000. 2000? Yeah, something like I that. I think it was year 2000. I think the copyright might be for 2001. September 2000, so we 2000. must have written it uh, yeah. early 2000, yeah. late 99. I remember. Yeah, it was so the beginning of 2000. It, we released it at PDC. So who should read this book? Yeah. Who should read this book? Who should read this book? Yeah. Anybody who wants to know what XML is about. Okay. Any developer? Any... A developer, uh, IT pro, no. IT pro, Only no. developers should Only developers should read it. Yes. Okay. And they should read it with an open mind. With an open mind. Okay. Yes. Is there any swearing or sex or nudity in it at all? Or? Just the front cover. Just the front cover? Just the front cover. Oh, good. How are you guys doing, seriously? You having a good show? Yeah. It's been yeah. a lot of fun to come back here and see old friends. Right. Are you, have you spoke, speak here? Yeah, yeah, on Sunday. So, what did you speak on? Uh, I was doing ISX. So it was a migration to ISX talk with the uh, Microsoft.com folks. Oh, cool. So that was a lot of fun because if you ever want to see a studly website, um, you know, that's the Microsoft.com guys. Yeah. So what's the, what's the biggest thing, what's the main point, the biggest rah-rah thing that you made in your talk? The biggest rah-rah thing that I made in my talk was probably, you know, motivating why the worker process isolation model is the primary reason why anyone would want to move to IS6. Okay. The, the feature set and the reliability things that you have in there are just things that just don't exist right. um, anywhere else. Let alone the performance benefit. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. So, all right. Excellent. And here's Don taking a picture of us, taking a picture of him. <laughs> That's a little dinky camera. Yeah, it is. So you had something to do with this show, too, did you oh. not? 
Oh, he's got a sign. He's a busy man, folks. So you had something to do with this conference too, didn't you? Yeah, I showed up and gave a couple talks. What did you talk about? Uh, let's see, I did two talks. The second talk I did was a pure folly talk. It was uh, about devices, so we just wrote a bunch of code on um, smartphones and pocket PCs, and it was just really light. Mm -hmm. But my favorite part about that talk, though, was we used these devices called a Wolf Vision. You ever seen this Wolf Vision? Thing? No. Yeah, no. So it's a it's like an overhead projector, but it's got a camera in it, so okay. you can put your device on there, and oh, then it wow. projects out because it's got VGA output. Okay. So at one point, wow. I, w I, I was running some ATL and COM code to run on uh, Magneto, the would be builds of a uh, smartphone. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ori was busting my chops about writing com code. <laughs> you know, and I, I spontaneously um, pulled down my pants because I was wearing my com <laughs> underwear. And I, I got my com underwear up on the wolf vision. That was fun. You know, I don't but get to do I that much. I don't get to do that much like at Microsoft at, yeah, during my true. day job. True. But, you know, we come out to a tech ed, you got yeah. a wolf vision, what are you going to do? <laughs> Um, first talk was with Doug Purdy. Oh, good. Um, I was very sick, very sick. Because yeah, in the mornings, yeah, I don't know if you can tell from my voice, I got the yeah. flu. Mornings are very hard for me to talk. Yeah. And I was very energy depleted. Yeah. But we had this great insight that we used to, to frame the talk, which I, I'm having a really fun time thinking about, which is that there's only really one program and that we're still writing it. And when you realize that there is only one program and we just keep adding code to it and trying to take code away from it, very, very hard to take code away from it. It's a program. monotheistic uh, Yeah, kind of it's, uh, it totally changes the way you think about building services yeah. and protocols. And that was very fun. That's a, that's a very good insight. Yeah. So are there talks that you've attended that you've really, really enjoyed? I have not attended a single talk. Okay. I've been uh, hole up in my room uh, yeah. coughing my lungs out. Uh, that's so the uh, um, the book signing you're doing for Essential Com and Essential XML today. That's why you're here. And Essential.net. And Essential.net. All of the essentials. By the way, Essential.net, still one of my favorite books. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, excellent. Very clear understanding of the real mechanics down low of what, what's going on. It was just me exploring and writing down notes as I explored. Yeah, and that's the best kind. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, sorry you couldn't come to the jam sessions. I know you're not feeling too well. Yeah, had I not been sick, I actually would have shown up and it would have yeah. been a lot of fun. We, we're having fun. Did uh, David spirit. show up? David didn't show up, but George was there. George and I were there, so we played a couple of songs. We didn't do any of the repertoire, though. We, saved, we have to save that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Monk and you ever seen any of this? A guy actually brought me a copy of uh, some Monk episode because he really wanted me to see it and I watched it and 
it's too over the top. It's not realistic. It's like, I can't touch your hand, but that doesn't mean I'm going to, like, have to organize my sock drawer while, you know, touching the handle 16 <laughs> times. Or no, that's a whole thing. Those are, those are, yeah, that's OCD. That's, that's beyond I don't know, Roy. You, you sort of borderline that. <laughs> Look, if I see bricks that are laid like this and this and this, and I have yeah, to walk on the bricks wrong. going in only right. one direction, but that's where it stops, okay? You know, I pick one set of bricks, and if I actually fall off and I step on one of the other ones, then I have to incorporate it into a pattern. And it gets really complicated. So I'm like, okay, straight bricks, straight bricks, straight bricks, damn. Okay, straight bricks, straight bricks. Okay, do that, okay. And then it turns, it's, it's almost, it's it's like Simon, the game Simon, where it does the colors and the sounds, and you have to match the pattern back. And it's the funniest thing is when Rory's carrying a bottle of water, like in his bag right there. I don't have one right now. I've learned my lesson. No, you don't have one. But it's been, what, five, six times that it's, like, fallen out. And then you look, do the thing where you look, like, at the ground where the bottle is, like... God damn it. Because it's touched the ground. There's no five-second rule for rules. No, no. There's no five-second rule. Where did that come from? Who made up five seconds? It was probably me. Of course, yeah. Bacteria don't wait five seconds to jump on your bottle of water. Yeah, but bacteria is good for you. Not it's strength as yet. You know, there's a bacteria, there's a bacteria called anthrax. Yeah. Okay. Bring it on. Yeah, bring it on. Mix it with my yogurt. This is definitely going to make a great movie, don't you think? <laughs> it's got some good stuff. I really, no, I really cool. enjoyed walking around and talking to these guys, Billy Hollis and Don Box. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good time. John it was a really Lamb. good time. You know, John Lamb. <laughs> I had known like I met the guy today. And I was talking to him for about 30 seconds. Yeah. And this was incredible. I had never had anybody do this to me. We were talking for like 30 seconds. He just looked at me very seriously and he just said, are you happy? <laughs> what do you, you mean know? by that? I mean, I felt like I had been slapped in the face with a wet fish. It was a very, <laughs> it was a very penetrating question and he was sincere when he asked it, you know? He really wanted the details? No, or? it was really something. Yeah. I mean, huh. we, we talked for a while just because, well, I was telling him that the more I've gotten into blogging, the more I've gotten into writing and the more I've gotten into Donna Rocks and everything, the less time I've actually had to code and I kind of miss coding. Well, maybe he's know? like, you know, you know, he can, this... he can sense it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or maybe he's, you know, it's a bigger question. Like, are you happy in this business, working so hard, coming to sure. conferences, traveling? Wouldn't you like to rather be home with your girlfriend, you know, slapping fish around and doing whatever slapping else? Slapping fish around? You know, what going kind your, of a euphemism going, is that? Going through your purse and, uh, and uh, you know, sitting around. I don't know. I'm just trying some random associations here. It's not really working. The brain isn't firing fast enough. That's okay, man. We got slapping fish That's around okay. and fishing through the purse. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It's whatever. good times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a, a short break and we'll be back after the break. So we'll pay the bills and see you in a few. So while we were at Tech Ed, we ran into a few people who had taken our class and had been... Uh, Wildly successful in their jobs, enough so that their bosses could send them to tech ed. That's pretty cool, huh? Well, we've been talking a lot about what we do in the VBNet Masterclass in terms of technology, but there's some more reasons that you might want to come out to New London, Connecticut. For the food. I mean, come on. We take you to restaurants every day. And I don't mean McDonald's. And I don't mean Chili's. And I don't mean chains. I mean, you know, local restaurants that are great. Great rib joint, great Thai food, great authentic Mexican Incredible New York-style pizza. Hey, you know, we have good stuff here. Anyway, check it out online at www.franklins.net uh, and look at the VBNet Masterclass. As far as technology goes, it's all about 
you know, tried and true methods, patterns that have been used over and over again. And it's about a data set centric architecture. Uh, if you're a VB6 programmer, you definitely want to check this out. Five days of hardcore, not for beginners, stuff. All from my head to your brain. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, uh, also while we were at TechEd, we got to hang out with the Data Dynamics people, and uh, as it turns out, they've uh, they've uh, we're greatly appreciative of all the uh, evangelizing we've done about their product, uh, ActorReports.net. We've also ran into a lot of people that uh, we turned on to ActorReports.net and uh, who thanked us profusely. It's a, a great solution when you want to do reporting, but you don't want to. You don't want it to cost an arm and a leg. You don't want to set up all sorts of crazy servers and things. You build your reports right into your assemblies, and they become part of your application. ASP.NET, Windows Forms, doesn't matter. Great reporting, very affordable, and also just absolutely fantastic stuff. All managed code, 100% .NET code. So check it out online at datadynamics.com. Now let's get back to our Tech Ed show. Right here on .NET Rocks. Hey, don't you go away. And we're back. And uh, before we before we actually go back down to the floor of TechEd, uh, I'd like to roll a, a little bit of the tape from Sunday night's Birds of a Feather session that we recorded uh, called .NET Rocks Presents the Future, and uh, where Bob Russellman showed up. And he was, he was talking about uh, how language is just so very important um, and that very many programmers don't speak or write well, and writing is the way that you communicate with the people who design the software and who give you the business credentials for what the software is supposed to do. So uh, this was just a really cool discussion, and uh, I want to sort of roll that before we get back to the floor. Here, here it is. Is that Bob Russellman? You know it. Hey, Bob, hey, what's, what's up? up? Hey, man. What'd you bring? Uh, let's see. Shirts and books. Cool. <laughs> Come on up here, man. <laughs> Bob Russellman, everyone. Anybody read uh, Coding Slave? <laughs> How are you? Well, I just came from two days of being indoctrinated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Very Franklin. Yeah. You since, it's been a while. Hey, I don't actually touch, but I'll shake. I'll air shake. <laughs> no, wiping doesn't do it, man. <laughs> All right. Wiping just gets your sweatshirt germs onto your hand into me. All right, so. But okay, so so we were talking about this whole like feature coding thing, right? And you've just been listening to a presentation on Whitehorse, haven't you? Oh yes. Now here's an area. Now could, could somebody like describe Whitehorse in some reasonable amount of detail in one minute or less? Yeah, I can. <laughs> we'll it, do it. All right. It helps you build web services with you know in a BizTalk style kind of drag droppiness, and not just web service, but service oriented architecture uh, applications. Mm -hmm. So you instead of writing web services by hand, you define with shapes and things, and it's very BizTalk-like, and uh, and there you go. So it's some, a high-level way to both write them and reverse engineer them back into okay. And and, and, and how does it work though when you're when you're drag dropping? Because this is like this is the immediate future, right? You know, I mean, in terms of, in terms of what's the future of coding, this is like what's coming right down. 
like almost immediately. So how do you how do you actually do it? <laughs> what were your impressions of Whitehorse? Um, my impressions of Whitehorse was that it's a nice tool. Anybody from Microsoft here? <laughs> Microsoft does some things well, and Microsoft does some things not so well. Um, it's, a, it's a nice modeling tool, um, and it does a lot of the uh, XML SOAP transformations sort of automatically. Um, the tape cut me in. Oh, it was interesting. Yesterday, yesterday we were talking, they were doing this whole thing about, this seems the catchword is, uh, no lines of code. Like, the perfect program has no lines of code. Which is exactly what we've been talking about. Okay, no yes. lines of code. So, that's really not appropriate. What the real question is, how many knowledge points do you have to have? How many people here have ever, like, tried to configure, like, IIS and gone down 17 dialog boxes? How many lines of code is that? Let's see. So, we've got 17 dialog boxes. <laughs> Who cares how many lines of code? How many lines of code? So, I'm looking at here, and I'm thinking, do all these dialog boxes are going all over the place? I said, so how many knowledge points are there? How much do you have to know to play with the toy? And um, with anything, you know, graphic, you know, graphical user interfaces are such that you got to know a lot to play with anything. Any complex tool requires a certain amount of knowledge. And Whitehorse requires that you know a certain amount of stuff just walking in. So it, it, so it does away with a certain amount of like the textual input, but then you have to replace that work with some knowledge of this complex tool. Or what? Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta know what you're doing. You gotta understand anything. You gotta understand. There's no magic here. You gotta know a certain amount walking in. It does a lot of the interface code writing for you. A lot of these, these uh, web service interface writing. That's fine. But what do you do? I mean, what is really a web service writing that you program? So what would you want to see change? Like, how how do you think it could be improved? Like if you if you were to take Whitehorse and say like ten years down the road, I have another gripe. I'll tell you what. Oh, I'm another gripe. Yeah. Okay. So I'm at the thing this morning, and uh, Steve McConnell was here. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Dudes. And where to do that? We're at a oh, conference. Man. We're at a nerd conference, man. All right. Man. Yeah. <laughs> no do that's here. All right. So, is, isn't this the? Uh, yeah. Really. I'm going to go back to L.A. Um, lots of do that's in L.A. Anyway. So Steve McConnell, who right here at Red Code Complete. Okay, everybody should read Code Complete. He actually debuted um, at Edition 2 uh, this morning. And Steve McConnell is like one of the, if, he's an important guy. He wrote an important book. Yeah. One of the things he was talking about was that developers, developers shouldn't be, can't or shouldn't be writing requirements. That those are something else, requirements writing. And I was thinking about, and I started getting really sad inside, like really sad. And I'm thinking that statement really made me sad. And what was making me sad? And what it occurred to me is that how many people here have read Moby Dick? Cool, all right. Well, Herman Melville went to a great deal of trouble writing the requirements for creating um, oyster stew, right? And if you can really, you know, these are things they teach you in, like, supposedly in elementary school is how to describe something in writing, right? But we've sort of done away with that. You don't have to describe anything in writing anymore. You can watch it on video or you can make it into a cartoon, but nothing in writing. And so really the reality is, is my, the question I was asking is why can't coders write? Why can't voters, coders describe what they want? And that's, that's really the troubling issue. So what do I want to see in Whitehorse? I want to see in Whitehorse, like, um, the ability to uh, write clearly. Right? That's what I want to see in Whitehorse. And I'm sure that's going to be a very popular feature that people are going to What, what, do, what do you mean by that exactly? The ability to write clearly Okay. Um, if you ever ever done, how many people have gone to um, uh, design sessions? How many people here get let back into design sessions? How many people have been kicked out of design sessions? 
All right, how many, here's the thing. I call it the pronoun count. How many people have heard this? Well, this does that. Right? Well, you take it over here, and it'll write over there, and then maybe it'll happen after you call the method over here. Right? Those are all pronouns. And as anybody's ever tried to design around a pronoun, it's very difficult. People really don't use nouns very well. So by that, I mean is actually the use of language. One of the interesting things in object design is actually to go through a requirement and um, take your highlighter, your yellow highlighter, highlight the nouns, because those are probably your objects, and then go through and highlight the verbs in your green highlight marker. Those are probably your methods, and then line them up. But people don't get that. It's a fundamental skill that's been sorely lacking since we did away with writing requirements that are actually looked at now. I mean, the SATs are bringing back writing requirements, but the ability, the ability to think is directly related to the ability to write, and the ability to write is directly related to language. So I'll, I'll challenge that. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I'll challenge it at, at a different level. So programmers know how to write really, really, really specifically in a way that computers can understand. What they don't know how to do is abstract a problem out to the point that your business users can understand. They, they write too specifically, <laughs> right. not, not specifically enough. Right. And the problem is that the business users can't take the leap from, what do you mean I've got to talk to this object yeah. that controls the printer plot? I don't care, just print the damn report. And, and so, that that right, so somebody has to be the clutch between those right. two, right? Somebody has to be the clutch from being able to define something at a granular enough level of detail that the programmers can, can di dissect it out into something that works. And somebody who knows how to take and explain that at a high enough level of detail that a business owner can look at it and say, oh yes, that's what I meant. And so the skill is not the specificity or the writing, it's the type of writing that needs to be done. And those are two completely different skill sets. Can you give me an example? So, I mean, to, so if I'm going to describe the, the interaction of a set of objects that... Okay, there's already a pronoun right there. Right. Okay, so give me a real concrete... That's, see, do you see how we just went the pronoun? Yeah, but what I'm saying is, so that's the programmer level description, right? Is the, the interaction of a set of objects. And what the business user cares about is, I need to move money between these two accounts. Can, can, what's your name, sir? Okay, Mark. Let's go back up. First of all, you did loose typing, right? And we all hate... How many people here like loose typing? How many people here like strict typing? All right, so already you went up to a real loose type stuff, which is a problem you hit. When you talk object, you say, I really don't have any idea what this is, right? So you're already talking loose object, and the business person is talking strict type. I'm talking money, right? So you, it's not that... It's not about... I mean, I hear what you're saying, but it's not... So you're talking about there's so much emphasis on the tools, but what you really need, you know, we're just we're perfecting the pencil, basically. And nobody's teaching how to write. Exactly. So. Exactly. And it goes, there's another interesting slide they did, too. They did, um, there's this thing coming out. I can't talk about it, but if you beat me up, I will. Um, being beat up is in Coding Slate, by the way. It's in Chapter 24. Um, <laughs> More than that. It's important to know that. But... Um, that they did this diagram, and they had all these different people in the enterprise. They had the developer, and they had the business stakeholder, and the uh, IT domain, blah, 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 blah. They had all these cross-references, except for one, and the business stakeholder only talked to one person. That was the project manager. 
And I found that very telling. Yeah. One of the one of the problems that you were referring to with programmers is they're so hyper focused on solving the problem at hand that they don't even know if they're solving the right problem. And it doesn't really matter to them if they're solving the right problem or not. They have a problem that they can solve. That's the way they're going to solve it. So when your only tool is a screwdriver, everything's a screw, right? And uh, that's that's been a problem not only with people that I've worked with, but me early on. I mean, you know, you learn a, you learn how to do something a certain way, and you want to do everything that way. It's just to hit Mark's point for a second, I just want to make the problem I usually have in, in starting or finishing any job. I'm Pat Tormey, by the way. The, quite, the problem I usually run into is actually figuring out what the business people want me to do. And that's a little different. Well, you're talking about writing? I'm talking about listening. What about if it's all the same thing? What about if language, there's a written language and verbal language, all right? And what if the manifestation of language is writing, reading, writing, and verbiage, all right? Um, I probably didn't do that. Well, I just get, the guy that gives me my money is the guy that has the business problem. And to the point of how we write to the, the low level, that's the fun part, right? We right. make it a little bit more confusing. But you got to make sure done. that you're, you're turning the right screw the right way. Yeah, I want the guy that he's talking to to be happy. Yeah. Which means my problem is to get him to tell me what it is he expects, not what he said. Right. Pat, you just opened it. Well, that's a huge problem. Well, Pat just opened a big kettle of worms here. Are, are we technical enough right now? Do we need to get more technical? So Pat says, I want the guy to be happy. I want the money. Oh, wait, 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 right. wait, wait. Oh, we got all these objects. Are we typecasting here? <laughs> Did we just go, see? Wait, wait, wait. We just, I'm not getting on you. I mean, you're doing good stuff here. You're saying, okay, so what is it in BB? C-type. Now we're casting happiness in the money? I think that was a given, because money makes the boss happy, right? And therefore, let me ask you, are your books free? Money equals happiness. Are my books free? Are my books free? Uh, if you can name the five republics that used to make up Yugoslavia. If you can name that, those five. Re <laughs> yeah, you knew that one was coming. No, you have to name the capitals, too. No, 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 no. You, you study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to get back. What is right. the requirements issues have always been a problem. I don't care how right. you make the cook. How do yeah. I figure out what they're actually asking me to do? And it's an intimacy issue. It's a cognitive intimacy issue. I believe that. That's what it, exactly what it is. When you go home and your kid says, I'm hungry, which is a very high type, right? That's up there with the object. I'm hungry. Give me food, right? You don't have any problem getting down to what's for dinner. Do you? That's right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or ask your mother. Right. You delegate. Right. Delegate to this object. Right. But you don't have any problem doing that because you have a very clear understanding of how to talk to this other person in your world. I think you do have a problem, though, because... What they say they want dinner, and you give them loads of vegetables, and they go, I hate vegetables. Well, they're returning false. Right? What? When I talk to business people, um, they actually don't really know what they, they don't know what they're speaking to. You know, some very specific skills to be able to talk to a business person and understand what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Because they often talk about what they think they want because they've seen No, wait, but go, let's go back to your language. Language tells all. Language is everything in, in, in coding stuff. All right, so you just said, I, just, I, I, I queried a, a business user, and I got back, I don't know, the I don't know type. It's in there. It's, it's under net, too. I if unknown. You do it, yeah. I don't know. I unknown. I, yeah, unknown. I unknown. Yeah, I don't know. That's what you got back. It's a variant. No, they know. But, but, but what, but what C type, I know, I don't know. I mean, 
Could you wait? Well, I'm saying is that when, when you talk, it's better than Uh oh. Oh no. That crap, Scott Hanselman, we're going to get heckled. Scott Hanselman, <laughs> John Alexander, and Ken Spencer just walked in there. Let's finish, uh, finish the thought, though. Yeah, finish the thought. Go ahead. Yeah, no, maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying. What, what I'm saying is when, um, when I talk to my customers and I'm working on new software for them or trying to figure it out, they often talk about what they want in, in the framework of the software they've seen before, both of which is very poor. And they say, I want this to look like this, or I want this to work like that, and I'm trying to achieve this. And you have to dig, keep digging, digging, digging until you understand what they're really trying to achieve. And right. you have to come up with a better way of doing it. That involves them doing less work and gives them more value than they thought they could get in the first place. And it is very, um, I manage loads of programmers, and only a very small percentage of them are capable um, or, or able to communicate and, and do that job. Have you been successful at it? I have been, I, I, I was a coach myself, I keep my hand in now, but I, I manage about 25 <coughs> So do you see, it's, it's, you know, everybody knows these types of. There's types of developers, you know, it's, you know, it's a little bit basic. So. Are you of the mind that a developer makes a better business case analyst? You know, if you've come up through the developer No, not, no, not at all. I think it's, it's purely down to the individual. I don't think it's a skill necessarily yeah. related to coding capability. It's a bit like, the, have you read the uh, inmates running inside? Right, uh, yeah, Cameron, Cooper, yeah. You know, that was a real kind of um, seminal book for me. It really made me understand Basically, his assertion in that book is users don't know what they want. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Also, he, was, he was talking as well about how developers looking, you know, um, it's improved a lot in yeah. the last few years. Developers look in terms of functions. So they go, well, I've got a function, print document, it takes three parameters, you know, document right. name, printer name, da, da, da. so I'll build a screen with three boxes on it where you can type yeah. them in. <laughs> so they think from the bottom up. Uh, and not from the kind of top down, yeah. like, could I get the printer name from somewhere else? Could I, you know, do all these things for you? So, but what I'm hearing, I, I guess what's still sticking out in my mind is we're saying that's a problem that's been going on forever, or close to it, that not being able to elicit from the customer what the product is. Well, this is a, this is a specific to programming. Go, go talk to an architect and see how long it takes for them to go from what the user says they want to what they actually want when you put it on paper and put it put it up in the air. It's the, the problem exists everywhere. You need to, to put it in your paradigm, you need interop layers between these various communication forms. Can you think of a paradigm where it doesn't exist? Where the problem doesn't exist? Yeah, where people know exactly what they want and they get it. Software companies. Burger King. Burger King. Press the cheeseburger button. If you do work for an ISV, they typically know what they want better than any other customer. And they're less likely to freak out when things go wrong because they couldn't do it right anyway. Part of the, part of the problem, this is a universal problem, and part of the problem is that if you've got a person like an architect and a person that wants a house built, the architect has this vast domain of knowledge, or should have, and the person getting the house built has another domain of knowledge, and they don't match. And so part of the architect's role is to shift the paradigm of the person over here who wants a house built to what's actually possible, and then they can have an exchange. And that's what we have in the application world, is if somebody's telling me they want an application to do something, it's my responsibility to dig a little bit deeper and then usually go through an iteration process with them to shift their paradigm from where they are now 
to some future point so that they can really articulate better what they want once they know what's possible. And, and not only to shift the paradigm, you're absolutely right, but also to shift the language because people will talk and they'll, they'll say, you know, uh, what, what I really want is I, I want a, a big room, open space, big, big high ceilings. Oh, you mean vaulted ceilings. Oh, yeah, okay. Or cathedral ceilings. Well, those are different. You know, and you got to get the feeling about what it is that they want and, and make sure that they're using the right words for the right things, which is exactly the same problem I was talking about before, right? The, the programmers and the business people use different nouns and different <coughs> verbs to express the same concepts. And when they say them, they don't understand that, that even though they're using the same nouns and same verbs, they mean two completely and wildly so, and, and by extension of that, how many times have you had the conversation with somebody who doesn't know the technical stuff and wants to speak in very general terms and you just have to keep nailing them down to get more specific and they keep getting more exasperated with you because they think you don't understand them and you're just trying to be exact and I mean that, especially if that person is paying your money, paying you, you know, it can be a, that can be a dicey kind of conversation to have. What it, there, there again, it's where design comes in, too, because one of the things we do, if you went back to database entity modeling, one of the things you do in entity modeling is to really define what all those terms are. And you spend an awful lot of time in that process. And so now, if you go into the design world, you can build a domain model and really figure out what all those different nouns are. And then try to distill down that common vocabulary. But do business people have that kind of patience for that kind of process? And, the people that I've worked for, typically, if they don't see something on the web in two days, you know, they're wondering what to do. The problem is that everybody tries to do things 100%. They either don't do it at all or they try to do it 100%. Right. Usually, if you apply 90-10 rules, so it's going to take you 10% of the time to solve 90% of the problem. And most of the time, like if you're trying to get the domain model, 90% of that domain solved is probably good enough. If I've got a few things on the periphery here that aren't, that's okay. And so you have to really move through a process that's fairly fast. I wonder if the different problem, just to take it one level above what Mark discussed before you came in, we're looking at how you actually figure out what the client's expecting versus what they said they were. And the problem I run into, if you've been programming a long time, there was a time when it wasn't nearly as complicated because you're working for one person. And they would tell you exactly what they expected and you were done when they were happy. Now when you talk to that one person, they're actually the front person of a team of people who have existing systems that he's pr proposing that he understand. And I'm talking for a team of people, and I'm saying I know what they can do. So as the two of us are talking, we're actually representing other people in a much bigger sphere of things that are now very tightly integrated. And it's probably that integration is the thing that we can't describe. It may not even be in the room when you're talking to somebody. They may not even know they have this concern until we get to the back-end people that actually have the, oh, I need to get the data into an Excel spreadsheet in this format, or I want to export it, type to limit it to my back-end. That's a very good point. I could go back to a case in this very town. I'm from the East Coast, and we had a client on the East Coast that had an office here years ago. So I remember uh, one time I was out here doing interviews with, with the end users for a new system, and it just so happened that some vice president was tagging along that day just so he could feel important. And uh, I remember this guy in the office saying, well, every time we get something in, we fill out this paper. And the vice president says, no, you don't. And the guy says, yes, I do. Here it is. And the vice president says, no, we ended that process four years ago. And the guy says, no, here's a stack going back yesterday that we just filled out. <laughs> and so what the person that's talking to you that you're talking about thinks they understand about the system is not. Uh -huh. 
not accurate because they don't have a true picture of actually what's going on. Well, let me bring this back to the future, and let me ask you the question. And let me ask you the question: Has have any of you um, done any work, or used any tools, or or built any libraries or condensations of knowledge that? that are going to help you with this problem going forward? Or do you find yourself always having the same problem of nailing down requirements, using the same old tools, taking the same amount of time? Is there any? Uh, as a programmer, as a unionized programmer, I can tell you that if I am communicating ambiguously, that's entirely intentional. <laughs> <laughs> The looser the requirements are, the better it is for me as a programmer. Mm. And if, if that's the best case scenario for me, then I have no incentive at all to change it until I get promoted into management, in which case it will drive me insane. Because now I've got to fight that way down the line. But um, So the future, I think, is that somehow you need to make it worthwhile for the developer to to own these requirements and to communicate non-ambiguously, because otherwise, um, if they don't think it's a problem, they're not going to change. So how can you do that? Can you tie it to their salaries or something? Or? Sure. The, the, problem is, the problem is is that you, know, you can talk to your user all you want, a given person, but um, can you describe it? You say you talk to two different users and they tell you different things. And what we really need is a common language that um, every you know stakeholder in the business who wants input and design in the system and using it, and all the developers um, can look to it and they can speak to it. We and call it UML. Though, we call it UML, and we have to learn from other industries. We have to learn from the construction industry and and how they um, they matured much. I mean, they still have the problems that we do, but um, they're much further along than we are. State uh, and it's it's a it's a it's an engineering discipline. Um, I mean, the problem they have is users don't know what they want. No, why do you think why do you think the construction industry is not experiencing problems? With that? I problems. said the arts, they still have the same problems, but they are much further along. Why? I mean, they, they, they don't. Well, it's an engineering discipline. Well, part people part learn the language. Architects learn how to communicate with the customers. I, 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 I think that'd be better feedback. Part of that, we're talking about two different things, though, because I think you need to look at construction as a sort of a horizontal industry. A two by four is a two by four. A foundation is a foundation. Where if I go, if we took this audience here, we went into every company, you know, yeah, in, in different you, industries, you could partition. You don't come to your customer and you say, I'm going to build your house with two by fours. They say, I want a room that's this, this, this big. And there's standard rules that all engineers know that, you know, they've got uh, load bearing um, uh, requirements, you have footing requirements. Exactly. You have code, um, that, uh, municipal or regional codes that say you have to build things this way. Um, and there's standardized documentation on how you publish this stuff. And um, users don't always know it, but it's in a format that people, um, a, a customer, can be easily bent to understand. And UML, I've had good success, particularly with use cases. I don't give them platforms. But with use cases, um, it's a very good way of describing how a person interacts with the system in their language. So I think you, that's, that's the key right there. It's not so much that UML, but that it's a use case because you take each one of those use cases and then you can get into the very specifics of that vertical type of application. If they can't define in a UML type model, use case model, what they're doing, they don't know what they're doing. That's, I don't know so if that's when, true. When, wait, hold on. When we, when we started this whole thing out, we were kind of talking tools, right? You know? And I was kind of, I was obviously of the mindset that, that the tools were at fault, you know? Which is kind of funny since I just wrote a blog post making fun of people who think that way. But, I mean, that's, that is how this started, right? 
And, and what we're kind of arriving at is, is what I'm hearing you say is that there needs to be sort of like an Esperanto. That, that, you know, that people, technical and non-technical people can understand and agree on. And in a way, that's sort of like where you'd like to see the future go. I, I, actually, I have a, I, Bob? there is another industry analogy which comes to mind. I haven't had this much fun since Woodstock. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoa, the towers. Um, let's look at the film industry. I mean, software has a lot more in common with film than it does with construction. I mean, first of all, there's only one place I know where software really, really exists, and that's in your head. I mean, you don't touch, you know, software, it's in the computer, but that's just a manifestation, some codification of ideas. So let's look at two directors, okay? Hitchcock, who would actually take his shooting script in, give it to the director of photography, sit in the chair and say, go. And Coppola, which during Apocalypse Now said, you know, what was it he said at Cannes? We had too much money, too much time, and we went into the jungle and went crazy. Now, both of those people created extraordinary films. So what was it about? And it's a budget concern. I'll, explain, I'll create something extraordinary. Wait, wait no, or you can take, take, any, take Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets. That was a very low budget. Okay, and that was an extraordinary, I'll say that's an extraordinary film. So what about in the film industry that they can pull it off over and over? And, yeah, and they have duds, you know, Simeo, there's no question they're duds, but they pull it off over and over and over again. But, but their user base is, they, they create something that's personal to them, and their user base shifts depending on what genre or direct they are. So they're not targeting. And thousands of people don't make it at all, right? They're not targeting specific. Well, and if somebody doesn't like your movie, you're not going to lose millions and bazillions no, and, of lives and dollars. And... They're targeting the emotional response. But the question I asked was not about whether it's successful. The question I asked is how come they can do it over and over and over again? How come you can have this, I'll get to you a minute, this complete insanity of some shoots have up to, you know, 200 people working on them. And believe me, the lighting person has no idea what the person in craft services does. They just have no idea. Yet they pull it off over and over and over again. So... But they work. The yeah, they work ridiculous hours in seven days a week and stuff, which is not the What? What? Wait, wait. Well, they have... There's a point about this. That particular industry, I think, because it has such a mass market, that <clears throat> if you get a bad producer, okay then you're, they're going to get weeded out. So what makes a good producer? I think we all agree that they can have different methods and all. And I think it goes back to what makes a good general in the army. What makes a good general? Every one of them has different methods. But usually the best ones are ones that are leaders. So I would say that the people who are successful in the film industry are probably because we filter out all the crap. And we can do the same thing with developers if we went out. We had this mass to sort of vote on who was good. All the bad developers go away. Then the ones that communicate and do well. So are you saying that there's, there, there's no mechanics in the film industry we can emulate? I, I, think that, I think the model is not a mechanical model. I think it's a very soft model. It has more to do with the leadership that's applied there. And I think if you look at the... Have model, you ever tried to move a light on a set? Well, I mean, I mean I'm, not sure, I'm being a little confrontational. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a, it's a heavily, heavily disciplined industry. It's creative. Nobody, nobody plays games. There's nobody walking in that says, we're not involved in a creative endeavor here. It may be this guy's vision, but we're all here to make movies. And it's highly creative. Okay. It's yeah? I think you're kind of talking on two dimensions, the creative side and the discipline structured code side. The, the construction industry has building codes. Lawyers have codes. Publishing has codes. I, the way you're talking, the production of a movie has codes too. You must do the, you must rig the stage this way. You must have these safety precautions. That's a different side from the creative side. Scorsese 
is thinking what message he wants to communicate. The other difference I'd say between so kind of those two parts, you have to have to have the creative side, the vision, but you also have to have the code. That's the best practices, the kind of standards, engineering standards, sometimes in law. The other thing is about the I think between the creatives and the more the software. Our clients pretty much are not just anybody. Maybe that's a third dimension. If I'm selling commercial software, I've got to attract my buyers. If I'm working on a specs, then I basically have to satisfy that client to those specs. That's a custom build within a framework. That's more like the military contract. Well, John Cleese makes an immense amount of money doing educational software. I mean, educational film. Educational software. Educational film, yeah. He makes it, he's, he's, he's very private. He makes most of his money well, in the private It obviously works. It, hang on a second. Um, obviously, someone has done it right, all right? Let's think about, let's look at a company that does software right. Maybe, maybe we're talking about Microsoft. Maybe we're talking about some other company. Maybe we're talking about Joel on software, you know? Some company that does release good quality software again and again and does it right and learn from it. Who are we talking about here? Quicken. Everybody has Quicken, Quick books. 25 bucks, and most people can use them without reading a manual. How about some other examples? Microsoft Word. Okay. <laughs> but before we get much further, um, this, this kind of sucks, but the things start a little late, and we actually have to go at about 7, because we have a Coding Slave dinner with Bob Resman. So actually, if any of you wanted to continue a conversation very much along these lines, that would probably get a little bit hairier and weirder, especially if this takes place over alcohol in a restaurant somewhere. You're all welcome to come along. We're going to be meeting out front in just a few minutes. I don't know if we're all going to go to a restaurant, but... Uh, no, I was thinking of taking a, a, a Playland at McDonald's hospital. <laughs> That'd be a good Bob idea. wants to take a Playland at McDonald's So what are, some of the, what are some of the processes that you've seen out there that work for you? That's what I want to hear about. I want to hear what, what you guys have been successful with. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I enjoy the fact that in software, if I make something, I can tear it down and rebuild it in a few seconds. So for me, it's prototyping and like rapid application development. Most of the people I deal with have no idea what they want. So I, I, I don't even try to get like a really strict, you know, understanding what they want. I get a general idea of what they want. I throw, I throw a website up. I say, is this what you want? They tell me what they like, what they don't like. I try another one. So I basically prototype over and over again until we come to something that they want. You should just do it on an etch a sketch. Yeah. Drop and shake it I up. I don't try to wire it up. Isn't that, for me, I'm just not trying to get expectations. And the comment, it's a good comment. It works for small projects, but for big projects, you don't have time to prototype. That's a good comment. Thing. Yeah, when I worked at Microsoft, we didn't do it that way, but at, yeah. like at the school district, I can do that because it's not a huge project. What about big project software? What about the CRM, you know, the, the big honking applications, the people softs, you know? I think you've got to break those break those applications down and treat them all as um, you know, more separate groups. But I just, I just wanted to quickly say before, I think in terms of the future of programming, I, I feel very strongly that at the moment we all program way too much code that's got nothing to do with adding any value to the business. So yeah. the future to me is eradicating all of that. Yeah. We should be spending all of our I agree with you. I, I value see that as well. Stuff like code generation and, you know, although that's what all these wizards and tools are essentially doing, I think... Um, some of the stuff that I think uh, Scott's going to talk about later on. What, yeah. what about the uh, the application blocks? Are people using that to kind of... Yeah, who's using the application blocks? <laughs> who's used the user interface process? <laughs> the documentation. Is it, has anybody tried to use the interface process? Version 2. Version 2 is good? And it's better than version 1. Yeah, version 1 is a little... <laughs> user interface process is a way to abstract the UI code away from the business layer. And uh, 
it basically does your you're hooking up web windows, uh, the plumbing code at the of the UI things, the binding and things like that. I haven't. No, I've, I've wanted to get into it, but I saw a lot of people with a lot of resistance to it, and I thought you know maybe I'd wait. So thanks for the tip. But uh, how about the uh, exception management block? Works good. How about the ADO net block? Yeah. That works well. Logging. I think that's bad about it. It's only SQL blank. No, no, not the new one. Commercial three is all interface based. So you can. Well, that's no longer done by Microsoft. That's open source. It's still though. You know, it, it's it still doesn't matter where it comes from. It. Which block? Well, I'm just saying. I'm just excited to talk about the patterns and practices. They don't have the real touch stuff. Well, in the look, I don't realize. I think some gadgets really responsible for that. A lot of right from the beginning, so there's no bonds. It's not like. Change people at all. But the 3-1 data is cross-platform. And it has more. The question I want to answer is, is object spaces. Is this thing for real? Or is this? Um, we can't talk about that. It's okay. public. <laughs> what, what's public? That object spaces is pushed to WinFS. Oh, it is public. Okay. Object spaces and WinFS emerge. How do you like that? So I think it sucks, actually. But, I mean... That's so they're I was taking forward to using it in 2005, but so they're taking the object model not just for for files, but for complex types and objects as well. Pat, what do you think of that? I think they would have screwed it up, so we're better off. <laughs> the glasses have full point of view. We would have ended up with a something that did something, and everybody would have tried to adopt it. It would have been like you know the early versions of WYSI, which people are like, well, what's the final version going to be like? It would have helped a lot of people because they would have gotten something out, but, but instead they're going to just put all the effort into getting it out. All right, we got about five minutes left. I want to raise your, you to raise your hands. I want to go around. If you have a suggestion for Microsoft, for tools, for programs, for programming, anything, raise your hand. Let me know what it is. They'll hear it. Go ahead. Improve Visual Source Safe or replace it. Improve Visual Source Safe or replace it. <laughs> I, I can't talk about that. <laughs> all right, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? So you guys yeah. always like it. Well, I was forced to use Dreamweaver recently. Forced? <laughs> they put a gun to your head, right? Right. But, uh, I mean, it does have a few cool features to it, some validation tools. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like that would be pretty easy to build in the Visual Studio. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, it would be. You know, and some I, HTML validation or whatever. Yeah, the, the validator stuff needs to be improved. I think you'll see an ASP not a big improvement in that, but yeah. I know they've done some pretty good stuff in uh, 2005 for this, but I'd like the, the uh, DS team to get with the SQL team so that when you write data stuff, it all it's all um, as efficient as it could be because the SQL team knows how to write tune queries. And obviously the DS people... Don't know Are you talking about like when you use a data adapter and it builds the selects and all that stuff? Well, actually, I have the answer to that. The answer is if they were to use, say, timestamp fields and things like that, you've got a tool now that's modifying your database, and Attila, the database administrator, is going to kick your ass if that happens. <laughs> so they have to make a tool that's going to work across all platforms, but I agree that if it was SQL Server, they should at least give you the option of checking the timestamp in the where clause instead of all these, you know, if you have a thousand fields, you're you're really screwed. I agree. Yeah. Anybody else? 
Suggestion for Microsoft. How about, how about uh, being able to drag, when you drag your tables into a, a data set to maintain the relationships between the tables? When you drag your tables into well, a data... Right, right now, unless I'm doing it wrong, when I, when I drag the tables in from uh, the server explorer, it, oh, okay. it brings in the primary keys, but you got but all the uh, yeah. relations have to be built. Yeah, that's true. Building relationships. Do you have a modeling tool that you use modeling database? No. Actually, there's one. There's a there's a schema designer built into Visual Studio. I haven't figured out how to make that work. Yet. It's just an XSD. So if you want to generate that model from your database, huh. it's pretty easy. To write your own. Anybody else with a suggestion for Microsoft? Isn't that yeah. Sure. So I'm not sure if it's addressed in Wiki or not, but I'd like to see the SOAP toolkit incorporated into Visual Studio. The SOAP toolkit? Yeah. So to analyze SOAP messages within Visual Studio as opposed to having to download and install some additional. You mean into Visual Studio. Studio? I think that's kind of what White Horse is doing, isn't that? I'm not familiar with White Horse. Okay. White Horse, as we were talking about, a little drag and drop your web services, basically, with Visio like. Stuff. What's the feature you actually want to see in Visual Studio? I mean, describe it. Like. I'd like to see SOAP messages as they go across the wire. So, something kind of like SOAP Scope, but built into oh, oh, Visual oh. Studio. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah, that's. Although SoapScope is free for this for the sniffing functionality. Although, but it's not incorporated into the actual IDE. Yeah. So okay. that's kind of a neat little add-on or extension to, to, the, to the IDE. There, there's VS in, in incorporation for SoapScope. All right, two more. Although. Two more suggestions for Microsoft. Yeah. That's all. Um, I like to see like the Wisdom EXE and the MS Data Generator provided as open source. So that way I can tweak it out the way I want to get better performance when I want to do it. There's a lot of sh crap that gets made when I do the MS Data Generator. I don't need it. Yeah. I, just, I just want people to show it down. So it'd be kind of nice to say, you know, here, do what you or want. Or at least some configuration. Right. Yeah. There's good suggestions. There's a good blog uh, that somebody's written about how they wrote that in the classes they use. Okay. It gives you almost everything you need to know to rewrite XSD on EXE. You remember the blog name? Or? Can we talk offline? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, and one more. Last suggestion for Microsoft. Anybody, anybody all? Anybody? Suggestion? Anything you'd like to see better? Case sensitivity in C sharp, it should be optional. You should be like, no, 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 no. Come on, somebody's got to have one more. All right, well, anyway, I'd like to thank uh, Bob Wrestleman for stopping by, Pat Tormey, uh, Rory Blythe, myself. Thanks a lot. Have a good show. That's about all we could salvage out of that recording. But uh, there were some other things that we said in that one that we didn't get on tape, but we did get on video. So when we make Donner Rocks the movie, you'll be able to see those, we hope. Anyway, uh, as we were sitting there, Paul Sheriff came along. We talked to him. And then also, after that, we talked with Brian Noyes. Both of them were really interested in the Visual Studio 2005 team system. So uh, let's go back down to the show and listen to them. Hey, Paul. Hey, how we doing, Carl? What's up? Not much. Having a good show? Great show here at TechEd 2004. Yeah. So cool. have, you, have you speak? Are you speaking? Yep. Spoke with Ken Getz on Monday. We did our top 10 tricks for a killer web application. Cool. About 1,000 people. Went great. Wow. Fantastic. Good time. Good time. You and Ken, obviously, write books and do teaching and stuff yep. like that together. And Fantastic. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we have so, a good time. We got a booth here. so Awesome. Yep. PDSA, great. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Having a good show? I am having a good show. Fantastic. Um, so, uh, what talks have you, what talks have you uh, been to that that you really liked? 
Oh, they had a really good one on the SQL reporting services, talking about the program program programmability. What is that? Yeah, programmability. How to program? Right. Yes, reporting Who's services. Who was giving that, that talk? That was good. Uh, Brian Welker. Cool. He's the program, yeah, product manager. So that was a good one. Saw a couple of other ones. Hang on a second. Yeah, I know. I'm not ready to play yet. Which uh, electronic set did you get? The V drums. I got the Roland. Yeah, they're great, aren't oh, they? They are awesome. Yeah, they I had a awesome. set of those. I sold them for real drums, but I loved them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna get, get a, another set and put them in the house. Yeah, I'll get an acoustic eventually too. But when you have it, you have to have a place though. Right. To play where you won't. I know. Get in trouble. You gotta build something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So what we're talking right. about. So what sessions have you seen while you were here that you really like? Yeah, the SQL reporting services was really good, how to program those. Okay. Um, went to one, the one on the uh, team services, the white horse stuff. Everybody's been talking about the team services thing. That's like... Fantastic. Yeah. Um, the way they, they've got this with the architecture, diagramming, yeah. the data center diagramming, and then the class diagramming. What's the data fantastic. center diagramming, for example? The data center diagramming is really cool because what this does, it allows you to lay out each machine, specify whether it's an IIS server, an application server, a database server, then you have your applications that you already created. You then drag and drop each one of those on, and you can set constraints. By doing that, you know that, hey, I can't drag a Windows form onto an application center server or to an IIS server, for example. Really wow. cool technology. So does this sort of, uh, does it take the place of the application center in terms of rolling out server farms and things like that? At or? this point, it's just for the diagramming and getting okay. a, like a build of materials, a bill of materials. Wow. But at, eventually, they will roll that into there. No yes, kidding. Yes, that is the future direction. So this is like the big kahuna for big managing time. websites and Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And for enterprise, they're going to have a new version of source control. Right, uh, I heard that. Source yep. safe, the source safe fundamental idea is right. built in there. So the team service, team server foundation is what that's called. That's for enterprise. They're still going to have a version of Visual Source Safe, but yeah. they're going to fix it up for the smaller shops too. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Some really cool stuff. So, so. getting back to the reporting services, I know uh, one of our own uh, Bill Vaughn is 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 in that space, and he's writing a book on it. Yep. Yeah, I guess the book's not out yet, but uh, he's sort of piqued my interest in reporting services. What's your take on reporting services? From what I've seen so far, we are, uh, we actually just have a client who we're going to do something with uh, pretty soon. Mm -hmm. But from what I've been I'm playing with it, I love it. Um, yeah. I think they've got about 90% of the functionality that Crystal has. Yeah. And I think eventually they'll get all the way there and okay. surpass them. All right. So, and, you know, for it's a lot less... Is it easy to deal with? Very easy to deal with. Huh. Very easy. And it connects up to any OLADB data source. So even if you're using Oracle or Access or something else... Yeah, that's a good... It's a good point to make that a yep. lot of people think it's just for SQL Server. That's right. But it uses SQL Server. It uses SQL Server, so you do have to have it. one server at least. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't require for a store. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Good, so, good. Great stuff. Really so, good stuff here at TechEd this year. So what else are you going to be doing? What are you looking forward to? Any new uh, talks or... Not really. This is pretty much what I came to see. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we're just here working the show, being part of the RD program. It's right. real fun. Yeah. Yeah, and you're, you're on the card, too, right? That's right, on the bingo, on the bingo card. card. That's I think right. we've looked uh, at that. We have this. Yes, we do. I'm right there up above the star. Yeah, the star. That's, That's right. Cool. So we've been giving away swag here. Yep. And it's been fun. It has been fun. It's what been about new time. products? Have you seen any new products while you've been here? Not, you know, not Microsoft products, but third-party things? Really haven't even had a chance to get around. Have I've you seen so Code busy. Rush? No, I have not. All right. I, this is the new thing. I just learned about this a couple of days ago. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, from Scott Hanselman. He showed me a demo of it. Just go Google Code Rush okay. and hook up with me in a couple weeks, and I want to know what you think. Cool. Yeah, we'll do that. It's I'll a $250 plug-in for Visual Studio that it's just unbelievable. Neat. Neat. Yeah, yeah. I'll check it out. Okay, cool. Great. All we'll right. Catch you later, man. Thanks, Carl. Bye. Bye-bye. Talk to the birthday boy here. <laughs> oh, no. How you doing? I'm doing good. 
You're on .NET Rocks. Oh, wow. So say hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Yeah, there you go. Hi, She's going to be watching, I know. Yeah, I'm sure she will. She watches .NET Rocks all, or listens <laughs> all the time. So have you been speaking? Uh, I had a Birds of a Feather session last night, and I've got my session on Friday. Uh-huh. Um, so what, what are you doing a session on? Doing a talk on deployment. Okay. .NET apps, uh, covering no-touch deployment, uh, setup and deployment projects, custom installers. All through ClickOnce and everything? or No, the, uh, I couldn't talk ClickOnce. Oh, step uh, over here so we can actually hear you. Um, I couldn't do ClickOnce uh, topic because of uh, being a third-party speaker. Oh, oh okay. Oh, okay. But, uh, That's I, only Microsoft domain. Right, yeah. for this conference at least. For this conference. Cool. Yep. And uh, what sessions have you gone to that you really thought were great? Uh, I went to Tim Huckabee's uh, Smart Client session. That uh -huh. was really good. Yep. Um, went to another one right after that. I forget the, uh, the, the Microsoft guy's name who gave it, but it was another uh, Smart Client offline synchronization data oh, cool. one. So are there are a lot of ways to do this offline synchronization stuff. Is there like there, first tier, first wave of tried it and then that didn't work, and now we have something else? Or was yeah? It? I think what we really have is uh, a lot of people have spun their own solutions. Yeah. And so the patterns and practices guys came in and came up with a unified solution that people can use. That, that like all the application blocks, it's fairly extensible. Now is that the app updater? No, this is the offline block. It's a new one that just came out oh. within the last couple of months. It, it specifically addresses have, uh, having a disconnected scenario, being able to gather data, cache it, and then automatically synchronize when you reconnect with the server. Oh, so this isn't a deployment thing. This no, is the, an offline right, data thing. Right, exactly. The okay. updater is still out there. The updater application block is different from the app updater. Right. So Tim's talk talked about, he had a demo where he used the app updater. And then some of the application block talks have talked about the updater application block, which is different. Okay. It's more complex. It's a little harder to get up and running. Like the app updater, you can probably get an app going in a couple hours at most. Right. The updater application block will probably take you a day to get things running. Really? But you have a lot more options on, you know, what you can do and different update scenarios. Is it really that complicated a problem? It's not. I mean... To be honest, to, to go look at their samples and, and get something just like their samples running will take you a couple of hours. Right. But to really digest all the different things the block can do for you and oh, how you okay. can configure it and stuff. But usually because it's just a matter of finding which method you need to use and then right. figure that out. Right, exactly. You don't have to learn everything. No, yeah. no, no. Okay, that's cool. And so do you still think ClickOnce is superior to all of this stuff? Definitely. Really? Yeah, I mean, ClickOnce, well, for, for the scenarios it was designed for, the, yeah. the biggest problem people have with ClickOnce when they see it is they're thinking of it in terms of a replacement for MSI, and it's right. not that. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely for auto, for initially getting an app out to a client machine and right. being able to auto-update it, yeah. it's, it's definitely the best solution yeah. in, the, in the .NET 2.0 timeframe. Now, let me ask you another thing about the application updater sure. uh, application block. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if it's the app data updater or the application updater block or whichever one you said, but there was one that started out that wasn't using bits, right. and another the, the second version of that is the one that you should get because that's the one that uses bits. The app updater, that is a, basically a little utility written by Jamie Cool, who's the program manager okay. on ClickOnce. Okay. That one does not use bits, I don't And that's believe. one you should not use because there's a newer one. Right. The, the newer one, which is the full-up application block, yeah. uses bits, and it has a a pluggable, I forget what they're called, they're called like download managers or something okay. like that, where you can plug in your own download manager. Okay. It comes with one that's just a straight file transfer. Much more flexible, right, a lot exactly. more options. More of a provider-oriented I get you. I get you. Well, that's cool. 
So what else have you been uh, doing at Tech Ed? You know, um, business meetings, parties, yeah. walking the floor. It seems like everybody's here, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is. That's the funnest thing about this. You just you can't help walking the halls. It's like, hey, how's it going? I run into old. I've run into at least uh, ten different people that I've gone and done consulting with and haven't seen them since. And yeah. they're like, hey, how's it going? So, even people at Microsoft. We were just talking with Don Box, who has just happened to be signing books out there. Right. And Anders Halberg was, you know, sitting there signing books too. So we gave him an invite to be on the show. Maybe he'll take us up on it. He That'd really be didn't, great. He really didn't know that much about the show, so so we gave him some numbers and his eyebrows raised up, and maybe he'll uh, that'd be good. Maybe yeah. he'll come talk to that'd us. Be a great guest. Grace us with his presence. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so, and and uh, as far as talks that you're going to see that you're looking forward to. Uh, let's see. Um, have to go check my schedule. There's uh, there's a couple tomorrow I was going to look at. Uh, Yasser's got a uh, one on Yasser, Yasser Sh- Shahood, Shahood yeah. on uh, web services on Friday. I want to go to. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, Yuval's got one on security that I probably won't go to that because I know he's using you material. Work with him, yeah. yeah, and I teach the same materials, but uh, right. but that's an excellent one for people to look at cool. if, they're, uh, if they want to learn code access more. So this tech head was spectacular. I wonder how they're going to top it next year. I don't know. It keeps getting bigger and better each year. It's awesome. So, great location, too. You can't yeah. beat the location. Yeah, San Diego certainly is cool. All right, man. Well, we'll catch up with you later. And All right, great. Keep on rocking. All right, you All too. Right, see you. See you. got pretty excited about this team system and i think this next interview that we did with chris kinsman this is what the first he was really the first guy to to talk about it with me on the show floor and he got me so excited that i went over to the uh the team system booth and we talked to the guys at microsoft who were there demonstrating it Doing well. Is this another random video experience? This is a here? random video experience for .NET Rocks the movie. Okay. Action cinematography. <laughs> kind of like my random appearance on Channel Nine. Just yeah. happened to be coming out of a kitchen somewhere. You're very uh, photogenic these days. Okay. So what's new? Uh, nothing much. Just still doing the work and thing. Having a good show. Clients. Having a great show. Talked to a lot of different folks. Yeah. Talk. Answered a ton of questions. Seen a lot of people that are really excited about .NET. So. Yeah, Whitby. It's very uh, Whitehorse and Yukon. Team system. I mean, yeah. that is so stinking cool. What is that exactly? So basically, Burton Team System is taking a Come bunch over of. Over here so we can speak. Sure. Burton Team System is basically taking a bunch of stuff you've always bought from separate vendors, i.e., source control, issue tracking, modeling, pulling it all together in a package and taking advantage of the fact that now you can do some interesting things when it's all integrated as one to get some great ideas of where Team a project's management. at. Point. All right. Yeah. So this is what we were talking about at the. Uh, the Peer Summit. Yep, exactly. And so I now mean, there's some software 
to So you go that. ask a guy and you ask him, how's your project doing? And what's his answer going to be? Yeah. Oh, well, it's going okay. yeah, it's going okay. And what does he look at? He's going to go and look at maybe, you know, how far along are the items in the spec or how many bugs are currently outstanding. Right. But he really doesn't have an idea of what the velocity is, how much code is currently being checked in, yeah. how much new code versus how much churn in terms of fixing bugs. Right. You know, there's really no tools today for that. And Burton's going to do a ton of that stuff. So I'm totally psyched awesome. about it. So you, so you have a team of developers. You really have to check this out. Yes. How is, how is the team stuff, the interactivity between the, the team members and the and the managers work? I mean, how's that? Uh, it's got basically an entire workflow system. So if, wow. I don't know if anybody saw Rick Pants demo. You probably didn't if you're watching the video. But, you know, where somebody comes up with an issue, it's entered in the issue tracking system. It can be assigned to a developer. It comes up on a to-do list for the developer. The developer wow. checks out files, wow. makes the change, associates the check-in with that work item. So you have a relationship between the actual work item and the checked-in files. So this is like the new source save killer. And, but with workflow, with essentially. Workflow. You know, figuring out how it kind of moves through your development process and goes from a program manager to a developer to a tester and back to a PM and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's so, so sweet. This is the stuff that we couldn't talk about back then. Exactly. So the exactly. cat's out of the bag. Exactly. And Gotta it's go called check it out. Burton Team... Well, it's called Visual Studio Team System. Okay. Code name was Burton. Oh, okay. Visual Studio Team System. Yep. We're going to talk to those guys. So are you speaking at the show? I am speaking at the show. I'm doing a session this afternoon on .NET performance and scalability. So that'll be very fun. What's the big issue there? The big issue there is... The main point of your talk. My main point would be don't wait until you ship the product to deal with perfect scale. <laughs> so a lot of it is more about the process than specific tips and tricks excellent. that you'll do to improve performance. So. That's excellent. Anyway. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Chris. Yep. Because it is actually the center of the universe. Yeah. Precisely. That's the irony of the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I have a user group in Kitchener-Waterloo, which is about 60 miles west of Toronto. And it's wildly successful simply for the fact that it's not Toronto. And that area is... is, is so everybody's been talking about this new uh, Visual Studio 2005 team system. And uh, so here are you guys. That's right. This I'm, is uh, David. I'm David Staley. I am a test lead for the test tools. Visual Studio 2005. So there's a lot of stuff. I've heard that there's Visual Source Safe Replacement Killer, whatever it is. There's like all sorts of collaboration stuff. And you are? I'm Amit Ghosh. I'm a developer in the work item tracking development team. So you guys know all about this thing. So, so tell me what are the different subsystems of Team System? Okay, there are a few. Um, as you mentioned, there is uh, work item tracking, which right. we can talk a lot more about. All right, so that's like bug defect tracking thing, or bug is that tracking. Tracking, there's more to there's it? Task, track, uh, task requirements. So essentially, you can define your own types and track them. Work item is a generic name for any item of work. Okay. Could be bugs, could be could tasks. Could be bugs, could be files, could be Could whatever. be requirements and so on. Requirement. Wow, okay. So um, Another subsystem is unit testing. Yeah. You can People who use NUnit now? And you know now there there will be some sort of conversion thing, but it's very similar to NUnit. Very we've, similar. We've got attributes for unit unit testing, but besides unit testing, there's web testing, there's wow. load testing, Ooh. there's um, there is even extensibility. So 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 if you're using something like ants, using something know? like ants, yeah, there will be mechanisms for rolling your existing testing infrastructure into this framework so you can do it right within Visual Studio or from the command line. Wow, sweet. And then after all those tests run, you can get incredible reports about um, test pass-fail rates, um, code churn from... Do those require the reporting services? They do. Okay. They do. All right. Um, but, but besides that, there's um, 
There's the new source control system. Right, which is the thing I was talking about. Right. The source safe killer, because people, you know, have had enough of that. Yeah. Well, there will actually <laughs> will actually ship a 2005 version of Visual Source Safe okay. with some good improvements in it as all far right. as scalability and performance. But this new thing is all managed code. I take it's, it it's all new. It's all new. It's it's what we use in Microsoft for our source control for Windows for Visual Studio. The new thing. It's the new thing. It's it's proven. It's scalable. Okay. It's for big teams. Great. Great. Anything to add to that? Anything to add to that? Uh, we have a bunch. There's a people in the next booth, but okay. they have a lot of modeling tools. Yeah. So okay. you have architectural models, and you have uh, code models and code diagrams, and so on. You can awesome. do a lot of that. Yeah, you can um, actually um, you can actually create a diagram of, of your code and and, yeah. and and architect it that way. Yeah. But then create another diagram of what your deployment. IT infrastructure will look like, yeah. and then validate the two so you're, you're sure that they will match and actually set security configuration and all that sort of thing on your design so that you can validate that those things will work. Huh. I, wow. might, I might also add that a few other things we're adding are um, profiling, so you can oh, cool. you can profile your code, make sure it performs really well. So it's not just team system. I mean, there's stuff in there that every individual programmer can use as a tool, That's obviously. That's right. Developer tools, too. Um, you can... There's also static code analysis. So as you build your software, it'll besides just getting compiler errors, yeah. it'll identify security holes you might have missed, like oh, buffer overrun things, and it'll warn you before. I um, thought there was no such thing as buffer overrun. Oh, okay, in compiled.net <laughs> code, but in your code, you could certainly... We didn't think that there were buffer overruns until we heard about the Slammer virus. Okay. It's, it's just a new discovery. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> and now we're, we're uh, tracking those things. Wow. So plug in all the holes. Yeah, these are these are the same tools that we've been using in Microsoft for years, um, plus added a lot of security So let's things. say... Here, ask, answer me this. So I'm a developer. I'm working on a class. Another developer in another building is working on a class that inherits from my class. If I make a change to my base class, how's that guy going to know, you know, that I made a change that's going to affect him? Is there any sort of way that he can, you can tell what affected what and, and who is, you know, what are, the, what are the dependency tracking, that kind of thing? Is there... Um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of that in the uh, the visual diagramming okay. that would work out. But in right. addition, if, if that developer had a work item... Right. That said, develop this class, yeah. and he added the things to it. Yeah. As he finished his task, he could create and tell me if I'm wrong. He could create a new work item, okay. and assign it. Why don't you explain? It? He could assign it to the other guy. Okay. Right. So what you can always do is so. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So with the team system, uh, since the source code control system and the yeah. work item tracking system are yeah. very tightly tied together, okay. so you can associate with any change you had, any change you're submitting into the source code control system, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you you can associate a work item with it. Okay. Right. And you can also say that say when you are making a certain check-in, you actually create a new work item for one other uh, for some other developer and to say. That becomes versioned. Yeah, and that becomes yeah. version. So we Good. track we track history for every work item. So okay. we have historical integrity. All right. So when I so when the other guy checks in, he's going to see that that work item has changed. Blah, uh, yes. Blah, blah. Yeah, and and you could also do something like say I have a work item assigned to me. Yeah. I I make some change related to that work item. Right. I then assign that work item to another developer so that he can do his part cool. of what is cool. needed. There is also stuff in the source control system where. Uh, there are events which the source control system generates for every action which happens wow. to it. Wow. So you can actually write your own, uh, you can write something which will subscribe to those events and you can say that, say when a certain check-in is made into a part of the tree, oh, sweet. send me an email or do some other action. Some alert, yeah, that's right. cool. 
So you know? it sounds like this is for like big teams, but what about for small teams? Can small groups of like say eight or ten developers use this and utilize and get benefit from this? Uh, sure. So yeah. uh, since the since the, the the scope of the product is not just the developers, it's also the program managers okay. or, or the or the marketing people who are say gathering requirements. So they gather requirements in say project or in say Excel, oh, right? Oh, so you, t- you you snuggle up to Microsoft Project then? Uh, yeah. So we we, we integrate with the project client and version Great. one. And you can we have a bidirectional sync from project into our work item tracking DB. Now what about what about test? Whatever happened to Microsoft Test? <laughs> I mean that's like a product that we I remember using that a long, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it's an older program, but we've added tools now for testing that that really make the tester's life uh, a lot better. Okay. Testing now is a first class citizen in Visual Studio. So oh wow! As you create tests, they'll show up in a window we call Test View, mm-hmm. and they can all be managed and categorized in a window we call Test Explorer. Okay. Um, but besides just helping you create tests, for example, you can right-click on a class and say yeah. create tests, and it'll generate a skeleton skeleton unit test for all of your methods. Really. Um, but imagine this: you run all of your tests, and it shows the results there, right in the IDE. Yeah. If a test fails, you can right-click and say create bug, and right from there, it'll attach. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you can attach the test failure to the bug. So wow, that's the, awesome. So then the developer can open up the bug, sure. see the reproducible case, and and be able to fix the problem by stepping that's down so cool. to the so test case. Sounds like you guys took a sixty thousand foot view of this whole process and really addressed everything together. It's going to save everybody a lot of time. Yeah. And, and then the project awesome. lead, of course, can see. A current status of all the work items in the whole system and see all the reports we generate for you so it's like up to the second no status slick. reports all the good stuff well, let me ask you what your favorite.net audio talk show for.net developers is oh there's no question it is .net rocks all bad right, to man. the bone baby <laughs> all right we'll see you later see ya bye okay well you know it's I, as i said before i think it's going to make a great movie we're going to sort of wrap all these things up together and and uh, turn it into a short film or maybe not so short actually we could put it up in segments you know just for kicks it's you know what's great about it is that it's it's sort of like a way of getting people inside of the uh inside of the conference right right right. i mean it's not just getting like the 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 videos of what's going on on stage there is actually not just getting the sessions yeah about the sessions yeah we're not doing the sessions we're doing like the what happens when you're just walking around and you happen you just happen to bump into right. Don Box. That's know? right. And I mean I'm walking around as an attendee. I don't have ac- any more access to these people than you would if you came to the conference. Right. We just happen to be in the right place at the right time yep. and we bumped in. I mean everybody's here, so Yeah. So it's been a good show. So I guess uh the next time you're gonna be in Portland. You're back? Yeah, back in Portland. I yeah. I did move back. I guess I haven't really announced that. No, you really haven't on, on the show yet. So um I guess for those of you who are curious, I just I came back because I didn't adjust well to small town living. You know, I'm kind of used to a town that in terms of population is about 40 times the size of New London. And I just what what I realized is I I found myself you went stir crazy. Basically. Well, well, I found myself alone at night with my own thoughts. And you don't want to get caught scary, with these things. Yeah, scary. no, you don't want to deal with it. How would you like to be alone, listeners, alone <laughs> at night with Rory's thoughts? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would want to. Well, I mean, you know what, though? They couldn't be because I'd have to be there with my thoughts. It'd be even creepier, though, if they could somehow get out. And Well, you see, this is what I'm talking about. That's yeah. kind of a creepy thought. That's a and creepy I had to be alone right with there. that. I wouldn't want to be sitting there, you know. So, yeah, but I had a good time. I got to see the East Coast. I got to go to New well, York. you missed your girlfriend, to to too, Boston. and you missed your grandma. And yeah, I missed so. the family thing, and, and plus, yeah. you know, I had I had other things going on in the West Coast and everything, so it's... And plane tickets are only 300 bucks, so you'll be back. Yeah, we'll, we'll I'll be, be back. So, basically, we're going to be doing the show with you remotely for a few times, yeah. and... Uh, 
uh, well, I say a few times you're going to be on Skype or the phone or something yeah. like that for a few times, and we're we're going to invest in some equipment. It's going to make you sound a little bit better than the phone. It's but, cool, uh, geeky stuff. Absolutely yeah. geeky, and we'll share that with you guys. Yeah. So, but uh, until next time, I would say, uh, you know, sayonara and and come to TechEd next year. Yeah, it was it was fun, and for those of you who did come, it was fun talking to you and meeting you. So I guess until uh, next time, and uh, you know, come to TechEd next year. And for those of you who were at Tech Ed, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got to meet and hang out. And, jeez, uh, we're off to uh, DevTeach in Montreal pretty soon here. And uh, PDC next year and, you know, all those other conferences, Dev Connections. So we'll see you on the flip side. And, uh, take it easy. I'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Ha, 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 ha.